This is the Joy of Geek. Welcome to the Joy of Geek podcast, episode 60. I am Rich Lepore. Kevin Schaefer. And I, I don't know why, but I am extra pumped for this episode today. I don't know what's, gotten, in, what's gotten into me, Kevin. Hey, well, I mean, it's been, what, a couple of weeks since our last one. It uh, has, it has. And so we that... got Oak City Comic Con next week, so a lot of I exciting. know, I know. Yeah. Oak City's coming up. That's going to be good. I've seen a lot of movies lately. I don't watch as many movies as some people do, so that's kind of <laughs> exciting. Um, I saw Lady Bird, dude. Wasn't it good? I, uh, it was pretty good. It was pretty good. I'll, I'll, I'll give yeah. you more, more thoughts when we get to what I've been watching. Okay. But uh, it. it's pretty good. It's certainly uh, it's certainly a solid movie. Man, expectations are so important, though. Yeah, I mean, yeah, my sure. expectations were through the stratosphere. It yeah. has a ninety-eight percent fresh on Rotten Tomatoes. I mean, that movie is supposed to be God's gift to film. Um, it was, and, yeah, yeah. So. I mean. Pretty, I mean, that's how you have to go in with all, really all the Oscar winners and stuff, and nominees. I yeah. mean, once you hear some, you know, people just ooing and aahing, you are going to come in with unrealistic expectations, but... Um, but I know we'll be definitely talk about that. So. Excellent, excellent. Uh, on that note, so what are we talking about today? Rich? We are talking about Annihilation. So this is a big freaking deal uh, for us on this podcast. We are huge fans, as you may have known from a couple years back when it came out. Ex Machina was a big favorite of ours. Um, that is a brilliant film um, with uh, oh. with Oscar Isaac, and it's directed by Alex Garland. And it was kind of a – it was a guy who's been a screenwriter for a while. Is that right? But then it was his first yeah. directorial debut. Correct. He wrote uh, 28 Days Later. And then there is one sci-fi movie he's written, which I actually have not seen. Um, he also wrote a novel, I think. So – but, yeah, he's been – I mean, he's been working in, you know, film for, you know, well over a decade. Needless uh, to say, well he doesn't he doesn't mess around. And then no. he finally got his opportunity to direct, and he knocked it out of the park with Ex Machina. Um, it's a dark movie, but it's actually fun to watch, which is what's yeah, so cool. Okay. Um, there exactly. aren't that many movies that I can say that about um, yeah. that are, are, are kind of pitch black dark, but yet really entertaining. Really enjoyable. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. It's a really hard balance to maintain. So when we heard that he was doing a new movie and we saw the previous, I think it was like – you probably heard about it before because you really follow all the film stuff. But when we yeah, first saw the preview – I mean it was sometime in the fall and then yeah. we saw the trailer in what – December. I know we saw it at Star Wars. Yeah, or just um, before. We, we may just, have seen it before that, yeah. yeah just yeah. before that. But when we saw that and, and you sort of see Natalie Portman and these this crew, this crew of like badass girls sort of walking through this mist and it was very secret. You kind of didn't know what it was about, but yeah. we knew it was Alex Garland, so you knew it was a must-see. And you knew it was probably some really cool sci-fi shit because they kept talking about, you know, the – the uh the mist and what what is it called uh the um shoot uh the it starts with an s the shimmer the shimmer yeah. right the shimmer yeah I yeah, yeah, yeah i messed yeah, you up yeah. by by uh by talking about the mist <laughs> no first. it's all good <laughs> but 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 anyway um you see them walking through the shimmer and and you know it's all very shrouded in mystery and so um and then this movie went through kind of a difficult um cycle where you know in in europe actually and in the rest of the world it's being released through netflix yeah um, because the type of movie it is um 
well, we'll talk more about it at the time. But yeah, because I have thoughts on that too. There's yeah. some interesting stuff to talk about about the movie itself, and then to go a little bit meta and talk about sort of what happened around the movie, how it was released, why that happened, whether it was to its favor or detriment, etc. Um, so we will get into all of that as well as talking about the characters and the plot and the cool themes and how it compares to Ex Machina and all that good stuff that we always do on the podcast. But first, we are going to be talking about a little bit of news. Kevin, I know you have a story to tell us about. Yes. And uh, we Uh, will also be uh, diving into some of what we've been watching recently and reading, uh, uh, little asterisks and reading. Um, So there's some of both, and we will be diving into that second. So first up, we got the one news story. It's a big one, though. Uh, for comics fans especially. Then we got the What We've Been Reading and Watching, and then we have the Annihilation Review. So without any further ado, Kevin, take it away. Okay, so this story dropped just a few days ago, um, and it's one that really excited me when I read it. So DC is developing a new imprint uh, starting this fall um, called DC's Black Label. Um, It's being curated by Mark Doyle, who's been editing Batman comics and Batverse comics for years now. Excellent. Um, And the idea is that it's a, it is, it'll all be non-canon stories um, with really top creator talent. Uh, And so graphic novels, mini series, et cetera, um, all focused on DC's biggest characters. So Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman. Um, And uh, they've announced six projects through it so far. Uh, There is, a Batman, there's a Batman graphic novel through which Scott Snyder announced a while ago. Originally, he was going to be working on it with uh, Sean Gordon Murphy, okay. um, but now it's with Greg Coppolo and um, the whole team from his New Fifty Two Batman run and wow. um, and Metal, um, and which is exciting because this will be Scott Snyder said it's going to be his final Batman story, at least for a while. Hasn't he uh, already said that? He has, but I don't know. This one, it, I mean, it just, it seems like more like the end of the end because... Okay, all right. So it's, um, a, it's an alternate story set in the, a dystopian future. Batman wakes up, and the only company he has is Joker's head in a jar. And okay. that's the only details he's given away about it so and far. So then, so then, and probably that's what it'll be. It'll be a cold open, right? Where it's yeah. like, here's, oh, yeah. here's oh. this shot, and how did things lead up to this? And where yep. things go from here and, and all of that. Well, that's something magical that you can do when you have uh, something that's completely unconnected in any way and a non-canon. Yeah. It, I mean, you can tap right, into right. canon where you want to uh, for reference points. So you reap all the rewards of people knowing the, the colorful history of all these characters. But the story can be a complete mystery. And he can right, go literally right. anywhere with it. Oh, yeah, no. It sounds really interesting. And then um, some of the other projects in it are Superman Year One, which... Got announced at San Diego last year. That'll okay. be a That's three-page just... mini series by Frank Miller and John Romita Jr. Okay. Um, okay. So, and that one, I'm thinking it'll be kind of like what with Batman Year One. You know, it's told through the lens of Commissioner Gordon when he back when he's a lieutenant. So, I think with Year One, they could do something like tell it through the lens of Lois Lane or mean, Jimmy Olsen. Do you Olsen. mean Batman Earth One, or did you mean Year One? Year One. Oh, okay. Which what because is that? Miller had, that's the one from the 80s that oh, Miller... Oh, the red cover at the comic shop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah I know, Mazzuccelli or something. Yeah. Mazzuc- David Mazzuccelli and Frank Miller, yep. So, I'm, I mean, I don't know, but I, he hasn't said, you know, if it is going to be through the perspective of another character, but it'll be Frank Miller's take on Superman's origin. So, that sounds really interesting. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then uh, Wonder Woman one by Kelly Sue DeConnick and Phil Jimenez. Oh, I'm glad she's uh, writing something again. You know, I have a kind of a pet peeve about how she doesn't do shit anymore. No offense, it, it, no offense, Kelly Sue. 
it has been a while since he's put out a bit, but this one's going to be like a three-volume um, history that'll be more focused on Diana's Amazonian history. So, like, it's going to start with her early days, and it'll end with Steve Trevor arriving on the island. So, so when, when you it, say when you say three-volume, you mean like maybe maybe fifteen issues? Yeah, possibly. Oh wow, okay, that's I mean, good. They, Sounds uh, prolific. They didn't, they didn't specify. They didn't specify if it's going to be like break up into standard issues or if it's going to be like um, the Earth One graphic novels, which are right. just you know, straight through. But they're uh, pretty. They're pretty. They're pretty clearly three to four to five issues each. You know. Right. Right. In length. Uh, in length. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Um, and then so there's that. There's another Wonder Woman book by uh, Greg Rucka. Which is fitting since he's yeah. written several runs of the character, he, he, um, and and, cons- and considered one of the best Wonder Woman oh, yeah, writers yeah. Of, of of all time. So. Oh yeah, so that'll be good. And then the other one that's really interesting, it's called like the other side of DC or something. Um, it's it's being written by John Ridley, who is the screenwriter of Twelve Years a Slave. And what this is is like the it's kind of examining big events in DC history and lore through the lens of minority characters. So, like, Jon Stewart, um, Vixen, and it's being written by, you know, a very well-respected, you know, screenwriter. Um, So that, I think, will be really interesting, too. Excellent. Um, It hasn't been announced for that yet, but... um, So, it all... I mean, it sounds great. I mean, I like... It does. Well, it's it's definitely more interesting to me than Young Animal was. (laughs) Uh, I I mean, DC could do a book about, I don't know, like... Batman without Batman, and you would find it more interesting than Young Animal. So yeah, I mean, yeah, think about the worst possible thing, right? Like, uh, I don't even know what. Um, you could write a book about like a little fly that flies around the room while Wonder Woman's reading a book. Yeah, and uh, and I would like that more. Um, yeah. but but you know, I have a pet peeve or a bone to pick with DC over what they they're handling of Vertigo and Kathleen Berger and yeah, all yeah. of that stuff. Um, I'm not going to get over it. And when you first told me before the podcast. Um, that you know you had an, that your the news story was going to be about what DC was doing with the new imprint. I was like, oh, and and that I would like it more than Young yeah. Animal. I was like, ooh, maybe this is finally a return to like Vertigo. And no, it is not that. Um, it is very much a superheroes books. It is very much not like a creator owned like you know uh, image image uh, or boom killer. You know. Yeah, I, I mean, wish it was. No, I mean that you know it. I, I mean, I don't get me wrong. I would love to see, you know, Vertigo kind of come back to. I mean, they still put out some titles, but uh, they still technically to, exist. Yeah, I mean, it's hard for them to compete in the world of, you know, Image being what it is and um, Aftershock yeah. and Boom and all these. But it's true. Um, it's true. But, I, but and, I mean, the money's I just, not there. Yeah, I mean, I hear sure. it. But I mean, going off our conversation about Marvel's reboot a couple weeks ago. I mean, this is like, I think DC's handling that way better by doing it. Because not, not only are they doing a good job with their canon right. series, um, but, see, but having something like this where they can tell, just give creators total freedom to tell the, whatever stories they want to, I like it. You know? they, yeah, no, me too. Although it, it has to be said, they have the luxury to do that because they're already yeah. successful. They don't have to do a, you know, a floor-to-ceiling revamp because what's going on right now is working. Um, sure. Marvel can't do just like a little small side thing with six titles and expect that to you know save their line. Their line needs saving. So sure. anyway, sure. I find all of this really interesting and surprising and just kind of backwards to like three or four or five years ago when all the talk was how Marvel is just stomping all over DC and eating their yeah. lunch. Right. Uh, and DC, I mean, isn't it like a mirror image? 
Yeah, pretty much. It really I'm feels thinking. that way. And, and and considering all the success that Marvel's had in the cinema and DC has not had. Uh, yeah, oh, I know. It's fascinating. It's it, like it really until comics, the other one tells in a movie. So it's it is. Really it's right. One's better on TV. One's better in movies. And then yeah. they, they flip spots on comics. Anyway. Um, it's another, interesting. Yeah. Another thing that I'm interested in is, so is this kind of their way of having a brand built around like the things they were doing with Earth One? Um, and and that's the first thing I thought that's, of when you started uh, talking so about this. That's the other thing is that because the Earth One graphic novels are kind of their own thing, and there's actually a, a Green Lantern one coming out. Okay. I think this month. Um, so those so, are staying strong, and they're not going to switch to the black label. No, I don't think so. But I mean, it would make sense if they did, but. Um, so so far, these are the only books they've announced for Black Label. Okay. Uh, oh, it, one more one more interesting yeah, yeah. analog that I have to ask about. Um, Max, do you remember Marvel Max? Yeah, I mean, yeah. I do. Is yeah. this that? Is this? Is, I mean, is, is it? Is it? Um, what do I want to say? Uh, mature, darker. Yeah, I mean, they are going to be darker, edgier stories. Okay. I don't know if they're all going to be like hard R, but. Um, I would I would expect the Miller one to be. Uh, I would but, expect the Kelly Sue DeConnick uh, one to be too. If you ever read Bitch Planet yeah, or, or or things true, like that, true. Uh, no, pre- I mean, pretty deadly. They're, they're definitely not going to be like super kid friendly. Um, they okay. will be. I mean, it is called the Black Label, kind of like yeah, you know, Johnny sure. Walker. <laughs> sure. So, um, and I mean, right. it's Snyder's Batman book. It's in a you know dystopian future. So, yeah, I definitely think it'll it'll be appeal more to older audiences. Um, one, yeah, okay, cool. Cool. All right. Well, we got um, we got that out of the way. And yeah. uh, on that note, um, so you're excited about that. When's that hitting? Uh, in the fall. I can't remember. September, maybe. Okay. I check. All right. I yeah. know. Oh, yeah. That's fine. That's fine. I was yeah, just yeah. wondering like roughly when we can sure, expect sure. Uh, this fall. Yeah. To be mm-hmm. reading those books. Excellent. All right. Well, um, since you're uh, going so strong, why don't you start off um, our discussion of what we've been reading and watching? Um, okay. Do you have a big one to kick it off with? Um, let's see. Well, I'll talk about Redneck first. So, okay, so yeah, first uh, let's let's preface this by talking yes. about that amazing Humble Bundle. Heck yeah. That, no, thank you for talking about this. So, yeah, every year Image, because they had the Image Expo recently, um, so every year they do this Humble Bundle of digital comics, which, um, I mean, the you, you can pay like 20 bucks for basic, I mean, close to like 15 trades, a bunch of single issues, um, just this insane. whole package that it adds up to about six hundred something bucks that you'd be paying. It's all digital. Itself. It's all DRM yeah. free. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I mean, I got. I mean, Rich and I both got it this week, and um, yeah, I mean, so the books included were like Redneck, Shutter, both of those I read. Um. And let's see, Saga, but Omnibus, um, Curse Words, Bitch Planet. I mean, um, so anymore. much good stuff. So, yeah. so, we're, so what's good about this is we are on the same playing field with certain titles. Um, sure. I, think, I think we've kind of can soft announced that we want to do a Donny Cates episode at some time soon um, yeah. and talk about maybe both Redneck and um, uh, the other God, one, God Country, um, yep. you know, in, in, in sort of one episode. It'd be kind of a fun way to look at an author from a couple different perspectives. Um, yeah. So we'll definitely be doing a graphic novel book club in the next upcoming weeks. Um, and this will sort of facilitate that. But as a as a brief preview, uh, tell me about uh, the one. I guess this is the first one you wanted to jump into, being such a Johnny yes. Case fan, right? Uh, what's Correct. it called, and uh, who, who's the team? So it's uh, this is Redneck by Donny Cates, and then I'm gonna butcher the artist's name if I try to pronounce it. Okay. So I'd rather not like that's it okay. That's all right. Um, but nonetheless, fantastic art. Um, but Redneck is about a family of vampires in Texas um, that have been that. Are more human looking, except for one of them. The, the 
the grandfather is this ridiculously creepy um, man, man, vampire, bat, like just really horror house. But the rest of them are like just Texas rednecks. And so um, it's really interesting. But basically, they've uh, been here in Texas for generations. They are trying to lay low. Um, they've, of course, been haunted down before. Um, and I've had, and they have a long-standing rivalry with another family in town. Um, but they've been trying to lay it low, and things get ugly when uh, the sons go out for a night and get in trouble with their rival family. Um, and now the uncle and the father have to step up, and um, this sort of conflict reawakens itself. Um, but it's a fascinating book, and you know what I was talking about before we started recording is that thing about Donny Cates is he can create these really out there concepts and um, whether it's horror or fantasy or whatever, but he always has such attention to details, uh, attention to characters yeah. in his books. And just, um, you know, this is a book about, I mean, of course it's got vampires and it's really violent at points and um, there's all this lore to it, but really what drives you and I, you know, having only read the first volume is just, you know, the family aspect of it. And um, these characters feel just so real and um, and he said that like I listened to an interview with him the other day and I met him a few weeks ago too um, at Ultimate and he said that you know a lot of the characters were based on extended family um, and relatives and so he brings a lot of his own background into this book and um, no it's just great the art is fantastic um, the grandpa I was talking about it, it I mean it's rare to be really creeped out just by a drawing but. Yeah. It's amazing how creepy that guy is. By wow. The, you see it because um, basically he's been crippled and um, has just been living in the attic base for, of this house for years. So he's just very deformed and grotesque. And the way he captures that and when they have him at the end there and you get to see him really flying around and all that stuff, it is genuinely creepy. You know? yeah. And that's really hard to do in just a comic, uh, you know. Um, even a horror movie, like it's rare that I get scared or anything, but that one, that image just really stuck with me. Um, so, oh, it's a great book. So I've read the first volume. Definitely. I keep reading more. Um, but yeah, so that's redneck. Excellent. Uh, Excellent. Um, so I am going to dive into something a little bit, uh, weird. First of all, I have an announcement to make that I didn't get a chance to, t I should have said this in news. I'm burying, okay. I'm burying the lead a little bit, not really an announcement, but so, um, the Oscars happened, um, the, yeah. and the Oscars were really, um, I don't know, mixed, I, I felt. I know you were probably so pumped about Shape of War. I was just about Del Toro winning, but yeah. But, yeah, uh, um, but yeah general, I, I didn't watch the ceremony, but I, you know, I looked after to see who won and everything. Yeah, yeah. well, they were a little, they were a little tame um, this year. They weren't, like, super exciting. Um, I thought that sure. the crop of Best Picture nominees, in, you know, as a whole was, was a little, um, left, left a lot to be desired. But one thing I was sure. very, very happy about was the fact that Blade Runner 2049 won yeah. cinematography, much yep. like it, it won that on our podcast as well. Right, right. Um, and, um, and that was the first time Roger Deakins won it out of all the years 16, I think, 16 nominations, like, and he finally that won. That blew my mind that he had never won before that. The acceptance yeah. speech was a little bit uh, disjointed, to say the least. But, hey, it was yeah. wonderful to see him win. He's definitely <laughs> somebody who's very uh, in his head and cerebral, but also brilliant. Okay, yes. but here's the cool thing. So uh, John M. Nelson and crew um, won the uh, award for best visual effects, and I yeah, was so yeah. pumped. So I tweeted um, 
and I don't tweet much, but I tweet when it's important. And I said, so happy that Blade Runner 2049 won Best Visual Effects at Oscars 2018. Those scenes with joy, I saw this. Yeah. Th- those scenes with joy in the rain and the memory maker have stayed in my heart since I saw it. And I congratulated John Nelson and the crew. And of course, he responded. Um, and uh, he said, um, it was easy. Um, <laughs> what an awesome dude. Like, what an awesome dude. Right away, too. I'm talking 20 minutes after the award was given to him yeah this tweet went out and he's like there on his on his feed ready to like you know thank people for loving his work and i I just think that that just made me love him so much more that that he actually would take it's three words it took him two seconds but it's really impactful to know that he saw what i wrote you know Um, oh i agree it's uh, i've had that experience with other mm -hmm. uh, other comic creators or film i mean james gunn has liked my tweets before so that was pretty cool Awesome, um, awesome. But, yeah. It's a great feeling. It really is. It really Especially is. I mean, just to know that the people you admire like that are just normal people and they love their fans. It's really cool. Right, yeah. absolutely, absolutely. Um, And, you know, and that actually reminds me, I'm a little tangential here, but that reminds me of another interesting thing um, that I just read about. Um, So Westworld is coming back in April. You know this, right? Yeah, yeah. And I'm yeah. assuming you're pumped. Absolutely. Awesome. Well, we'll be talking a lot about Westworld very soon. However, um. I just read an article, I think it was on IGN, about how uh, creators Jonathan Nolan and Lisa Joy are sort of looking at this season. Um, and uh, it, it looks like it's going to be out-and-out out madness. I mean, when you look at the trailer, it looks like you know, a bloodbath, which I don't love that. I kind of like the fact that it was a little slower and more thinky last season. But I'm sure they're just showing us the action scenes, and there will be a lot of that you know, interesting, um, you know, thoughtful, wispy, cool shit from last season as well. Um, sure. But what they're doing – so the big issue with last season was everybody crowdsourced – their hints and guesses and theories about what's going on on the show and in, in many cases we're exactly on the nose and so yeah you know because people can compare notes and and do tons of research um basically everybody who really followed reddit knew what was going to happen by the end of that season and, and the, you know there were, it was a guess of course but it turned out to be very accurate sure so this season they said they're trying something quote controversial um, with their, you know, Reddit and, and, and other fan base online. And they said it's going to be something more akin to the way that George R.R. R. Martin readers, um, like, rallied together to not spoil plot beats on viewer on uh, viewers of the show, people that were first-timers with the show. And I think right. that's really interesting. It seems like what they're going to do is some kind of appeal um, to people to say, hey, you know, we know you guys are geniuses and you know you figured it out but like you know when you're so i don't know what they're going to do honestly because it's not like they know the answers for sure it'll still be just guesses but it's interesting that they're going to take some kind of quote controversial approach and we'll follow up more on this when we sort of see what what shape that takes but i just think it's really cool that they're thinking about the fact that their show is so much of a puzzle box show and the fact that it's so part and parcel with its popularity and the experience of watching it is going online and sort of seeing what people's theories are and 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 how that whole conversation evolves um and that they want to play a role in that and they see that as you know a very essential part of their show and i think that's good it's very smart for sure no that is interesting i'm just curious how you go about that because in the internet age i mean you know it's really hard to monitor that kind of activity um but that i mean that's cool that you know they are well i think that's i think that's what they know is that they can't ever you know um patrol it or police it right so instead they have to somehow join it um, yeah, and 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 maybe help control it from within the stream. I I don't know. It'll be Create, like a separate network for or like a forum or something for people oh. to uh, you know, 
that might be it like log in on or something i don't know that might be it or people that contribute these ideas um or maybe they'll be responding and and tell people yeah you're on the right track uh don't share your idea with others or right like they can talk with each other but not you know try not to spread it all out over reddit and all that interesting well we'll see how that goes um yeah i'm just hoping it's not uh you know constant decapitations and murder and gore (laughs) Um, because I mean, last season had pl- its share of gore, but like, if you took that up to eleven, like, let's say it was at an eight, and you take it to yeah. eleven, like, that will detract from my enjoyment of that show. I just hope well, that it... I think it will be more chaotic, just yeah. I mean, because of and it, what happens by the end of the season one, and yeah. they're introducing Samurai World and all these things. So. Shogun World it, they've announced. Shogun. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I think it will be more gruesome, but um, but I agree. I hope it's not just all out bloodbath you know and yeah. still a lot of character to it excellent okay yeah. cool well that's 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 going to be neat um definitely looking forward to westworld and um all right so while we're talking about the oscars and um acclaim for films i think i'll dive yeah. into lady bird a little okay yeah um, no, I'm, so, I'm so lady bird just hit uh blu-ray um picked it up at the red box and popped it in uh last night and my impression was first of all i have to say um my I tried to, you know, moderate my excitement and moderate my expectations because I know that nothing can, you know, fully live up to the kind of hype that this movie has received. I mean, it got, like I said, a 98% fresh on Rotten Tomatoes. I don't think it got a single bad review. Um, It's just universally liked. Um, In fact, a friend of the show, Elliot, uh, when he listened to our best films of the year episode, his one main comment was, I was surprised I didn't hear Lady Bird mentioned. Um, it was right before I saw it too, so I would have given it a shout out. But yeah. of course, of course. Well, that I was that, like that was my response. After. We hadn't seen it, right? Yeah. Um, and um, I have to say though, I don't know that it would have made my list anyway. And I'll tell you yeah. why. I'll tell you why. It's very good. It's a very sure. good movie. Um, you know what? One of the things that's really good about it is it. it, it you know, it's a coming of age story. It's beautifully acted. Um, you know the 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 um, Saoirse Ronan. Or Shersha, it's one of those two, um, and um, uh, Metcalf, um, Laurie Metcalf, Laurie Metcalf yeah, are just—I yeah. mean, they're 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 ferocious. Oh, they're phenomenal. understated. Yeah, yeah. It's subtle. The acting is subtle and brilliant. They're they're both happy and at each other's throats at the same time. It reminds me very much of my relationship with my mom at different points in my life. Sure, uh, I'm sure everybody can relate on some level. Um, and and interestingly, the hyper specificity—I say this a lot—but the more specific it is, the more universal it is in interesting ways. Um, and you know, I think they handle things really well. I, I think the 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 scene with the with the person and 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 you know dealing grasping with with homosexuality was was incredibly well done and 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 not not blown out too much it's just another thing that happens as opposed sure. to being this huge you know screed about how hard it is to come out um and i think that it you know it does everything incredibly well um i also love the fact that it doesn't dwell on all of the really painful shit that a lot of coming of age movies do like yeah. you don't have yeah. to watch excruciatingly long uncomfortable not good teen sex for example yes um you don't you know i don't have to see them fumbling with the condom they do a little of that but not like for fifth you know seven minutes yeah um you know it's it's very brief in fact a lot of the things like once once her and her first boyfriend sort of have their whatever happens with them um big moment that i was just referencing before i don't want to spoil it if people haven't seen it um but it, it just jumps right past that 
you know, and it moves on to things that are potentially more interesting, or at least at the very least, if not more interesting, that we haven't seen, um, as opposed to having to see, again, the confrontation, the breakup, the, the, the tumult, um, and, and I think that was handled really well. I think the idea of mental illness and her father is handled incredibly well. Um, he doesn't ever look depressed, depressed, but he is in his way. Um, everything about it, I think if there's one thing I'd say, it's it's its subtlety. Um, and, 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 you know, it has, like, the subtlety of a good indie film, but yet it's still universal and fun enough to be, like, kind of a mainstream success. So it, it straddles a lot of lines, and the more I talk about it, the more I, 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 I'm appreciating it here, even on the fly. Yeah. That said, though, I don't love, love it. Um, I don't find anything about it so moving that I was moved to tears. I don't find anything about it where my heart was welling up. I didn't feel like, oh my god, I'm having the best time of my life watching this like I might have at times in Blade Runner or times in even Shawshank Redemption, you know, to, to, to reference a movie with character moments that move. Sure. Um, so I just, it, 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 didn't, it didn't blow me away in any category. I think it's, it's a good, you know, B plus A minus movie to me. I can see why people love it, but not really to the level that it's loved. I don't really understand why it's so beloved. Um, I don't know. I, I guess those are my initial thoughts. What, 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 what do you think? That's fair. It's interesting because so I saw it at the, the Rialto here um, with a friend who she actually she went to Catholic school and oh, she I had arguments that, yeah. with her mom when she. But what's interesting though, is she really liked it. I actually liked it more than her though. I mean, so it was that we were talking about it after because I don't know. I like I really like coming of age movies and um, it you know even though. I didn't see like myself in a lot of the character. I still was really moved by her story. And I, I mean, again, the subtlety, but also the narrative structure is what really fascinated me because it's only an hour and a half, but it plays out in a really nice episodic manner. Yeah. And like you said, like there, cause when you see the trailer, you think it's going to be all about her and her mom, Yeah. which I would have been fine seeing. I mean, I wouldn't, you know, if I, I'm like, okay, angsty teen, you know, and mom, I'm like, yeah, I'll watch it. I probably wasn't going to, like, fall in love with that. But that's what I kind of went in expecting. But to actually see it having multiple beats to it and that be one part of her story, but it really do, it really did a good job of encapsulating just what it's like to be in that stage, like, right before college, end yeah. of high school. And I really appreciated that. So it's like, you know, she goes through um, the too nice boyfriend, it turns out to be gay, the douchebag boyfriend, um, you know, then who's, who's really like, not even he, he just he just doesn't connect really. Right. It's right. Not oh, so I, much that he's like yeah. an, a vicious person, which is so cool. It's subtle. You know, it was it was just like, I mean, there was nothing there. But like, yeah, no, I agree. He wasn't trying to hurt her. He's just yeah. callous. True. Yeah. True. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, leaving the popular kids for like uh, or, I mean, leaving her best friend for the popular kids. So things like that. I liked how it played with cliches like that, but did it in a really interesting way. Yeah. Um, but I actually, I mean, what I really liked was that final scene. I mean, people in the theater were in tears at that. I mean, like, I, I mean, because her on the phone appreciating so, her mom. Yes. Because it was so subtle and it was so well executed because I just love those little, I mean, those little moments that it gave where it's like, you know, they had the big fight and they're not speaking to each other. He wants to, you know, um, make amends, but they're not speaking once she goes off to college. But her mom know. was writing letters, so we knew she had a lot to feel, yes. feeling a lot, even though she wasn't saying a lot. I just love that moment, how it ends. It's like, you know, um, there's no big, like, whoa moment. It's just like she, you know, walks into the church, get, you get that she still has this longing for home and that it's a big part of her, even though she was desperate to get away from it. Yeah. It's just those little things. That, and, and so 
I really loved it. I mean, it. Pro- I don't know if it would make my top three because I, you know, the, my top three were, you know, I was just yeah. Oh, had a real tour, but it would definitely make my honorable mentions. Um, yeah. But yeah. Yeah. I mean, I and I also just, I mean, not only on a writing front, but Greta Gerwig just did a really amazing job with the directing, and mm-hmm. that's hard to do for a first-time director. Same with Jordan Peele. I mean, they just both blew it out of the water. Yeah. Um, bringing this like they knew they had a vision, they knew what they were doing. Um, and she just brought a lot to it. And of course, the performances were dynamic, but yeah, they, yeah. they really were. Uh, also yeah. things are left unsaid often. Like, yeah. I don't really know what is up with her brother, why he's of a yes. different race. Assume, yes. Assumedly he was adopted. Right. Right. Um, but you yeah, never really just, hear that. They have that. And then, you know, his girlfriend and then, um, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of things you don't know what, you know, what happens with the dad and his job situation. No. Um, and then it's just, it's just, it's, it's a very ably handled, but I think if there's one thing that I wish directors and writers would take away from this movie and do more often is the skipping over what used to be considered the good parts, right? Right. You know what I mean? Like, I love that about this movie. It always skips over the painful shit. Like she has a fight with her best friend, you know, when her best friend kind of calls her out, but it doesn't go on for 15 minutes. And, yeah. and and it's not excruciating. Or she has a falling out with the popular girl at a certain point when she kind of realizes she's not as well off as she was. But it's not as bold and 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 I hate you because you're poor and and I look down on you like that. She's not a monster. Um, right. The 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 wealthy girl. She isn't a monster. She's just she's doing her thing. Um, right. She's right. got wealthy parents and 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 you know she she kind of wants to stay there forever and it's sad in its own way. Um, right. Rather than making her like a beast. Um, and so it's, it's, it's just really, it's just really well, ably, you know, crafted and handled. Um, and, and, you know, I'm very, very close with my mom, so I can relate to a lot of that stuff. And I definitely at a certain age would have like jumped out of the car, not maybe when it's going super fast, but you know, at a certain, just to make a statement, there was a time when I would have done that. And you're right when you mention all of the, uh, the Catholic school and all that. I mean, I went to private school, so some of that stuff resonated with me. Um, and I'm sure you with the drama program. Yeah, that was about to say. I mean, the theater is not because I can detect when it's BS when, you know, like they, you know, have drama camp club or whatever on a TV show or movie and it's just like to over the top or whatever. Yeah, like Here Lee. it was, so I was like, oh my gosh, this brings me back. Like the, it was done exactly how I remember it. The, uh, li- the littlest bit of, yeah. um, uh, of drama that I took when I was in school, I was in a couple plays, not nearly like a full-time thing like you were, sure. but it rang so true. And I yeah. think what's interesting to note about the success of this movie is when you show things that are true, people just know that it's yes. true. Like yep. it doesn't have to be something like somebody that never had any theater experience. You can watch that and you damn well know that's authentic. It just yes. has that ring to it of this is definitely real. Um, and so much of that movie had that. Um, it's just, I, I had to look up Saoirse Ronan afterward and see how old she was. Cause I'm just like, how has she been nominated for two Academy Awards and, 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 and then won the Golden Globe for best actress, been in that movie, Brooklyn, been in the Lovely Bones or whatever. Was that it? Lovely Bones? Yeah, Lovely Bones. I know yep. you saw that recently. Been, yeah, I did. Been in this movie. So many things that she's done. So, oh, oh, uh, Atonement when she was younger. Yeah, that's just, right. Just yeah. killing it. Uh, I mean, the, I mean, she's got a more illustrious career than Anna Paquin did when she won for the piano at like 11, you know? Yeah. I mean, yeah. it's just, it's just sensational what she's accomplished. She's so pretty. She's so talented. Um, I mean, she's going to be uh, Meryl Streep level. It seems like, uh, uh, you know, oh, a- yeah. ad infinitum. 
Oh, I think so. I mean, she has that charm and charisma to her, and she can play a range of characters, do a range of emotions. Yeah. And, I mean, just one final note on Labor, that's, yeah. I mean, is that, yeah, she's an angsty teenager, but it wasn't to the point of, like, oh, my God, when is this going to be over? Yeah. I don't have enough teenage angst. Like, it was very balanced. It's like, yeah, she has these, like, over-the-top dreams, and she's very naive, but... Still, you know, I mean, I look at my, I mean, while I was never to that level, I mean, yeah, I still had plenty of, I was naive at points, and, you know, I I mean, having grown up in a small town, you know, I can relate to the idea of wanting to get away, and then you get there, and it's like not all you thought it was meant to be, Um, but just those little nuances that it was so, it's so well balanced, and I just love that it was a nice blend of comedy and drama, there were plenty of laughs in there, Um, but yeah, I just had a great time with it. Awesome, awesome. Yep. Well, I think that's a good note to uh, to end on. And cool. um, Kevin, why don't you uh, dive into your next pick? Okay, next pick. Um, so a few new, a uh, couple new comics that I've been reading. Um, just some first issues that have dropped in the last few weeks. Uh, so number one is Cold War. Um, it's a new aftershock title by Christopher Sabella, who, which Ooh, you know how much I like him. We met him oh, a couple yeah. times. He's a great guy as well. He is. Yeah, he really is. Um, so he's writing. And isn't at, he? Isn't he also in the? Um, um, in your thing, um, in Corpus, yeah, yeah, yes. he's in, in the anthology you're, you're a part of. Okay, go ahead. Yep. So that's so exciting. Um, but it's written by him, and it's the artist's name is Hayden Sherman, who's a newcomer. Um, really great though. But uh, basically, this book is about uh, an ex-military guy who has been in a coma for 500 years. He he's born in our time. He um, then he wakes up in the future from a 500-year coma, and he is along with a bunch of other people is enlisted in this war which they're not told anything about uh and they don't know who they're fighting or why they're fighting they're just you know thrown into it by what they're told is the u.s government but we don't know if that's really the case um and so it's a really fascinating concept and um the art is phenomenal but yeah it's just this really interesting futuristic sci-fi drama um and yeah like it's is it up my alley yeah, I think so. Um, so it, I mean, I think you would like most of Aftershock stuff. There, I mean, it's a, a lot of sci-fi, a lot of horror. Um, I mean, they're very similar in image in many ways in terms yeah. of tone and creators. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's only one issue in, but I'm really excited to see where this will go from here. Um, so yeah, that just dropped like two or three weeks ago. Um, so next issue should be out soon. Way to go, Sabella, man! I, I always root for that guy. He's just so. Cool. Oh yeah, he's great. No, I I definitely want. So, um, so that's one, um, another one, which is also actually by a couple creators that are in Corpus. Um, this is from black mask and it's called the wilds, which I don't know if you saw Jordan and I tweeting about it too. Cause no. like I said, we know the creators, so we were trying to support it. Um, but it's, uh, I don't remember the writer's name off the top of my head. Um, but the artist is Emily Pearson. Uh, and, uh, she's working with Jordan on a pitch and she's in Corpus as well. Um, she's phenomenal. Um, and so basically it's also another sci-fi one where there's been this virus and that's killed a bunch of people and people basically have to stay in this confined area, live as survivors. So, um, really fun post-apocalyptic comic. Um, and you know, there's only one, again, the first issue just came out two weeks ago. Uh, so, you know, not a whole lot that's happened so far, but Really great world building, and the the art is just phenomenal. Um, I'll show it to you next time I see you. But cool. um, so, what's the publisher on that? I think you said. 
a black mask. Okay, right. right. And cool. the book is called The Wild. So nice. uh, I like picked that one up. And then uh, The Terrifics, which is really... I, I can't remember if I told you about this before, but um, so basically with DC's Metal, um, there have been several books that have spawned out of this. So like uh, Batman and the Signal is one. Um, other books like Damages. Um, I'm forgetting some of the titles. Uh, but The Terrifics was the one I was most excited about. It's by Jeff Lemire and Ivan Rice. And it's, I mean, it's full on, you know, a very much a homage to Fantastic Four and like classic Fantastic Four. Um, so basically, it assembles the team of Mr. Terrific, uh, Metamorpho, um, was it Elastic Man or Plastic Man, whatever it is, mm-hmm. um, and uh, Sapphire. And so it's, I mean, it's, it's to, I mean, in everything from style to story to writing, um, it's very much feels like Stanley and Jack Kirby's Fantastic Four. Um, so it's phenomenal. It's only going to be a three issue miniseries, but I'm kind of hoping with these books they will be expanded after that. Um, because this one is just so good. Um, but it's just, I mean, yeah, it's the four of them, um, that they're, they've encountered like, uh, some of the dark metal from the metal universe. And yeah, they're out to save the world. Um, but it's just so much fun. And Jeff Lemire, it almost annoys me how good he is because he has like six books out right now and <laughs> they're all fantastic. And he, he writes six, he draws one of them. And they're all just fantastic. So excellent. Yeah. He's getting to yeah. Charles Soule level, man. It's ridiculous. Oh yeah, yeah. Except yeah. maybe a little even. Well, anyway. Well, I mean, it's just like I mean, the, the fact that he's a writer and an artist, and he, I mean, and he, I mean, he's prolific, and he just delivers. I mean, Charles Soule, I really like his work, but his is more like popcorn entertainment, yeah. which is yeah. not a bad thing. I mean, that's 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 perfectly fine. Um, he delivers great. I mean, he writes a bunch of Star Wars books. He writes a lot for Marvel. They're all very good books. It's just like. Jeff Lemire does more on like the Tom King level of like yeah. a subversive material and like some of the, and, and some of the, some of them are really excellent some of them are just pretty good but overall yeah. the, the the peaks are, are are much higher than almost any author's peaks oh yeah 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 excellent uh, so the Terrifics is a lot of fun what's it called uh, the Terrifics oh that's right okay yeah all right um so that and then I'm um, still reading Matt Kinn's Exo Manowar uh, run so. Which is very different from the Vendetti, but I still love it. Uh, it's uh, whereas the Vendetti run was more was pretty much Eric all on Earth, um, with some him, him going to other planets. This one takes place. The Mackin run takes place years later, and it's him all in space on this other planet. Um, it's much more action packed and um, really brutal, very Game of Thrones level violence. Um, but yeah, he's just like. Uh, gets enlisted in this army on this planet and um it's just like honing in space so um but it's really good and uh doug brythwaite is one of the artists there's several artists on it but doug brythwaite's probably my favorite um so i read the second volume of that the other day um so still reading that you know i love xo cool uh, but yeah so plenty awesome. of time awesome well i got a couple quick picks for you you ready go ahead all right so everybody knows i'm a big black mirror fan um, I've been doing a, I've been slow playing um, both that and Philip K. Dick's Electric Dreams. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, Electric uh, Dreams is much more hit and miss, although there are a couple real standout episodes. Uh, once I'm finished with the whole thing, I'll maybe do a little summation of what I thought of all of that. Um, how far are you in that? About four. I, the last okay. one I read was, I mean, saw was <laughs> read was the Buscemi um, one about, oh, okay, cool. yeah, about where he says we're going for a voyage, and it looks really corny, nice. but it's actually pretty good um, in its own way. Um, there, I'd say I've seen about if I've seen four of them, which I think I have, I'd say two were good and two were one. Excuse me, two two were 
exceptional. One of them was okay, and one of them was mm, pretty bad. Okay. Um. So that that's kind of that's kind of my take on that. Um. The first one with uh, um Anna Paquin, uh, unfortunately, just just didn't work for me at all. But okay. um, Black Mirror is still killing it. Um. And uh, I I saw the um fourth and fifth episodes uh, since we last chatted. Um. Those are Hang the DJ, which is most people's favorite from this season. Um, and Metalhead, um, which is the shortest episode. It's all black and white, and it's about 40 minutes long. Um, just real quick, Hang the DJ is brilliant. It's about it's Black Mirror's take on dating apps. Um, and uh, unlike a lot of Black Mirror episodes, it sticks the landing like a motherfucker. It is excellent in the end. Um, so it, it both exists as a really good story on its own, and then it has a really good sort of mind-bender at the end that, that both expands on the concept and also changes it so you could almost experience it with or without the ending and have two different experiences but they both blend um it's really brilliant it's basically about um two people um they're part of this thing called the system um and the system basically is this little orb you hold in your hand kind of like a magic eight ball and it tells you who you're supposed to match up with and they're all in this little like area it looks like a little mini like closed off colony where everybody gets together to like find their perfect soulmate and you go on these series of relationships so one might be 12 hours and you both push your button at the same time on your little orb and it tells you how long your relationship's going to ask last and it's 12 hours maybe so you just go have a sexual encounter or it's um eight months so you have like a short relationship with a person maybe that you hate so that then the system can gather data from that and determine what not to give you in your perfect match and you go through a series of those and the idea is by the end it one day it tells you tomorrow you're going to be meet your perfect mate and be married for life um and that's the conceit um it goes a lot of cool places from there um i'd say it's it's equally good if not slightly better than my favorite episode so far of the season which is the uss uh callister um, yeah the first one which i think is absolutely just just riveting and brilliant this one's definitely more fun to watch that one can be painful at times um but it also has some good humor so anyway i really like that one metalhead was good as well metalhead is very different um it's short and sweet or short and painful i should say but it's a post-apocalyptic world you you catch up with three characters um they're driving in a car you never understand what happened or why the world ended but it did or you know, ha- bad things happen. It didn't end, but you know, people are in a in a post apocalyptic wasteland, and they're going to find this item. You never you don't find out what it is until the end, but they're basically looking for an item to make somebody's life easier. Maybe they're dying of of injuries, maybe cancer. You never find out. But the point is, um, they're worried because there are these dogs, and they're actually based off this real life thing um, made by a company called Boston Dynamics Spot is what Boston Dynamics calls it and it's like this mechanical dog that can walk up steps and it can play fetch and it can you know do all kinds of stuff you can kick it and it doesn't fall over so it's like a really you know advanced canine dog right a a mechanical dog but you know Charlie Brooker when he sees that sees the potential of what if those dogs were chasing you down and we're going to kill you um, and basically, it's a 40-minute take on what that would be like in the future. It's black and white, and it's directed by David Slade, interestingly. Oh, so, really? Okay. So, it was good. Um, it was definitely good. Um, everything that show does lately is, is pretty good. The only one I didn't like this season was the one about the little girl, and her mom puts, like, a tracker in her um, to make sure she stays safe after she almost disappears one day. That one I didn't like, but the rest of them have been uh, pretty solid all season. Um, okay. And... Um, I also started checking out the Joel McHale show with Joel McHale. Have you seen oh, that? Oh, you did. Okay. I saw that dropped on Netflix. Yeah, yeah it's weekly. 
Um, okay. And um, Is it good? yeah, yeah, it's entertaining. Yeah. Well, it actually it ties in um, rather interestingly. So um, the one uh, there's two reality shows that I watch, and sometimes a third. They are, and they're the classics. Um, I love Project Runway. I watch that with my mother, and that's something sure. we can enjoy together. Um, and then the other one I watch with her is The Bachelor. <laughs> and you may or may not have seen what's been going on on The Bachelor lately. Have you seen this? I don't know. No. So um, Ari was The Bachelor this time. And, uh, you know, the whole season goes on. He gets down to two people at the very end. And everybody knows this, so it's no spoilers. And it's long over. But he's down to Becca. Um, this dark-haired girl who's very smart, very confident, very, you know, connected to her emotions, it seems. Um, and this other girl, uh, her name is um, Lauren. And uh, she was very, like, shy and always worried about her heart being broken. And, you know, she wasn't as communicative with him. But, like, for some reason when they get together, they had this amazing spark. So he goes – his family recommends – you know, they have the hometown visits. His family recommends that he go with – the dark-haired girl, Becca, and he's like, it's logical, this is what I should do, and he was, he told both women he loves them, which is taboo, he's not supposed to do that till the end when he picks one, but he broke the rules and he told them both, because he supposedly loved them both. Well, he proposes to Becca, they were engaged, and about three weeks later, he breaks it off, and they film the entire breakup. It's like a 20-minute, uh, Chris Harrison, the host of The Bachelor, said it's the first time in reality show history that they're going to show unedited footage. I mean, it was a whole lot of hype. But basically, it's Ari showing up at Becca's door, knocking on the door. They have an interview with Becca just beforehand where she's like, oh, I'm so happy. I'm so in love. I'm just thinking about our life together. I can't wait. It's going to be so great. And then he walks in to crush her dreams and break her heart. And you watch it in you know 1080p, graphic color, no edit. And when the two of them are separate, like the camera, like the screen splits down the middle and you see him walking off and her hiding in the bathroom and crying. I mean, it it's excruciating. It was very controversial. A lot of people didn't like it um, and said that you should never show that kind of shit on TV, no matter what kind of show it is. Anyway, yeah. at the, at the yeah, end, that's either like either that is so scripted or that is ridiculous that they're actually like showing all that. No, but. it's so that's the thing about The Bachelor. Um, and, and my only defense of it is to say this. The show is very scripted. It's, it's fake up to a big degree. But at the end of the day, relationships do come out of it. There's about three or four people who are married and together still after that show. Now, don't get me wrong. I fully believe that most of what they say throughout the season is scripted. Yeah. But what I enjoy is the last four or five episodes, and this season was no exception, um, in that there are real feelings at that point. Because even if they're acting out a show, by the end, these people know each other really well, and they do fall for each other. Um, so Ari is now – he actually went back to Lauren, and she took him back after he broke her heart and said, I won't – you know, I'm marrying this other girl. She took him back, and now they're together, and they're supposedly incredibly happy. So that's interesting. Um, okay. But Joel McHale's show is great because – and again, I, I only check out very limited stuff. So The Bachelor – um, uh, uh, Project Runway, and then the third one, once in a while, is Survivor. Um, and, the, and aside from those, I don't mess with reality TV at all. But Joel McHale gives you a nice window into the yeah. shows I would never watch, like Love and Hip Hop or um, you know My My Big Fat Texas Life or whatever the hell those <laughs> shows are called. You know, I would never watch them. But he has really funny takes on them. And he's been the reason I mentioned Bachelor is he he's been ragging on uh, the Bachelor has this thing on now called the Bachelor Winter Games, and I don't watch those those little middle shows. They're horrible. They're just like f yeah. f fests 
where people just act ridiculously. But he'll have like a little clip of somebody saying something incredibly shallow and he'll make fun of it. Or he'll show some footage from like a foreign film that's so ridiculous you can't believe it exists and he'll make a funny comment about it. He's really entertaining. And and more than that, even when he's not funny, he's just like really fun to hang out with. And so that's kind of the secret. Oh, he's just got a lot of, I mean, natural charisma and stage presence, but he came to Good Nights. I wanted to see it, but it was like, um, I think it was just the timing didn't work out, but, yeah. um, but yeah, no, he, I mean, he's great on screen, on stage, you know, in scripted TV, whatever. So you should probably, it's, they're 20 out. minute episodes, man. They're sure. really short. They're really sweet and fun. You and, and, and he's got little like memes. He's starting, like he's got this fake feud with this person from the today show called Don adorable. Oh. And he's got this, th- this new character called the pizza ghost. He's trying to set up. It's pretty funny. Nice. Um, I think you'd enjoy it. You love that kind of stuff. I think. Yeah, no, he's. I mean, it's. Kind of, I mean, saying it's kind of a similar way to Tosh, and where he like makes fun of you know random stuff on the yeah. internet. I think. Yeah, like that. Although I think Joel McHale and and Talk Super or the Super kind of was the original. Anyway, right, right. Um, so last thing I want to just say real quick is I'm in the middle of a Mentalist rewatch. Um, okay. The Mentalist is. I'm starting to think it's one of my top three shows of all time. Now, everybody listening, do not judge me yet. Um, one day I will explain what I mean by that and why I like it as much as I do. But suffice it to say, I'm about in, I'm about halfway into season two on my rewatch, and these are long seasons; they're 24 episode seasons, so I'm going hard on some Mentalist. But I'll have wow. a lot more to talk about uh, as as it goes on. But that show is just fantastic, um, and uh, and for uh, there's a lot more stuff, but I'm going to leave it at that. Um, what else do you have? Any any other little last minute ones you want to put in? Uh, just really quick, I saw Lights Out the other day. So, oh um, really? Yeah, that was that I, one that was like it. There was a short like internet movie, and then they made a movie. Correct. It was like as James Wan had seen it on YouTube and reached out to the director. They made it into a feature. Um, but yeah, it was really good. I, I mean, um, it's a nice, very like um, just very few characters, nice situational horror movie. Um, I thought it did a good job balancing, you know, this concept of like there's this demon in the house that only appears when the lights are out. Um, and, you know, the mom is mentally deranged because of it. Um, and so now it's up to the older sister, who's an adult, to take care of her younger brother. Um, and so it's a good blend of, like, the family drama and characters and then also this concept of, you know, a demon that comes out when the lights are off. And, um, and, that, yeah, and it's, it's a good a little, mechanic. It's a good mechanic, right? And w- one thing I didn't know until I saw it was that uh, the screenplay was written by uh, Eric Kaiser, which uh, the guy who wrote Arrival and works for Valiant now. Oh, uh, I didn't really? know that. Yeah, yeah. I didn't know the guy who wrote Arrival works for Valiant. Yeah, he does. He were, uh, he he wrote a miniseries last year, and he's doing um, Harbinger Wars two this summer. Damn. Yeah. Between that and 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 Ta-Nehisi Coates moving on to doing a second book, showing that it wasn't just because he wanted had a Black Panther story in him, yeah. but because he may actually want to really straight up write comics. Um, there's a no, real infusion. Oh, there's a real a infusion of, of Hollywood talent into the comics game, as opposed yeah. to things working in the opposite direction as they used to. Yeah, yeah, it's really so, cool. That's interesting. Anything so, else? Um, no, that's about it. I mean, or, well, comics. But I also, from the humble bundle, I read Shutter Volume One. Which have you read that? Before? I have it, but I haven't read it. It's a good. Yeah, I loved it. It was like a. Re- I mean, it's my kind of sci-fi, like really weird. Um, Basically, this girl and her dad were explorers, and her dad died when she was a kid, um, and she's kind of put that life behind her, but she's in this world that's occupied by all these ridiculously weird creatures and aliens and monsters, and 
Um, so it's kind of, it's kind of hard to explain because yeah. you know, and there is a big mystery element to it too. Um, but no, I loved it. I actually I finished the first volume right before we started this. So nice. Uh, yeah, I really liked it. Awesome. But, All right. Um, well, on that note, I think it may just possibly be time for us to talk about Annihilation. Let's do it. So without any further ado, um, let's let's dive into it. Um, what you went pretty quickly to see this, right? When you yeah, actually, well, so here's the thing. So because I, uh, you want to go ahead and talk about kind of the like it being released on Netflix and all that? Because I have yeah, a yeah. Let me let me, okay. let me let me sort of run that out here. Um, so what happened was um, this movie was first of all, there's another. The, I'm going to start at a different spot. Um, okay. This movie is actually originally based on a novel series and it's really interesting and i'll tell you why it's so interesting um the author who wrote it started writing the series in um 2015 i believe or it didn't start writing in 2015 but that's when the first novel came out and the okay, novels yeah. that that i mean this one's only based i believe on the first of the three it's, it's a trilogy yeah um, called the southern reach trilogy and it's by jeff vandermeer um and the deal is that a lot of people talk about it as being having been released in what's called the the net a netflix strategy or a netflix release strategy and the idea is that he released all three books, one right after the other. So I guess they were all written or written in quick succession. I take that back. The first one was 2014. Um, but then the second and third were like 2015 and 2016 or, or, or 2015. Or, you know, like literally they were eight months from one another, the yeah. three books. It was really interesting. So um, a little different from the George R. R. Martin schedule? <laughs> yeah, just a little. Just a little. And, you know, in fact, the complete polar opposite, right? Um, and, and you know, the the idea of this trilogy is, is really interesting. And no, no surprise, Alex Garland bought the rights to it pretty quickly. Um, he thought it looked, um, I guess – promising for a film and sure. um the they decided to uh, make a movie out of it and so this is what alex garland decided his follow-up to ex machina was going to be well the movie the the book to say the least is very it's it's different um it's very um uh the concept is different and when we talk about the movie we'll, we'll talk about it but it, it isn't it isn't a very black and white movie it's very hard to i it's not very pop I guess is it's what I would say. It's not like mainstream. It's not mainstream. It's very yeah. much like if you're going to like it, you're going to like it in spite of the fact that it's not like a group of characters just goes on this adventure and like triumphs right. in the end or anything close to that. It's very it's 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 some things are left ambiguous although they do kind of give you all the answers you, you you probably want, which is good. Um but you know they aren't the kind of answers you're going to get up and cheer about at the end and it's not the kind of twist that you're going to be like, "Oh fuck, I can't believe that just happened," but more of a mind-bending kind of twist and more of a sure. thought provoking so it doesn't have any of the things that traditional hollywood movies rest their laurels on you know like even if you're gonna have a you know a horror movie like sixth sense and have a big twist at the end that's like oh my god now that i know the truth it totally changes everything no, about no. the whole movie that's not what yeah. this is this is definitely uh when you find out there are some things that are like holy shit i can't believe that's what it is but but it's a lot of ambiguity as well yeah and it, and it, and it, it almost asks more questions with the answers and i know a lot of good work does that but this some this even more so but it's very and when we talk about it you'll see it's very unique and it's very different um and so the um original vision of alex garland 
um, was to make the movie just as it, as it exists today. Thankfully, it's been retained. Um, however, there was a lot of pressure from the studio to change it. They wanted the, di the ending to be different. Um, they wanted the character arcs to be slightly changed. They just wanted a different movie because they're scared shitless that it's not going to do good at theaters. Yeah. And, oh, surprise, it didn't. Um, it just it just wasn't getting good pre-order sales, right. and 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 it's just nobody knows what it is. Nobody knows how to like quantify it, and and for good reason. Um, now that said, what Netflix did, um, was they bought the rights, or she, excuse me, the studio did was they shopped the rights to streaming providers, and Netflix bought the rights. So everywhere except the U.S. or except the U.S. and maybe one other place, it's being released on Netflix, which I wouldn't have minded. Uh, I actually would have enjoyed watching it that way, but it is really unfortunate. Yeah. Um, to to Alex Garland that you know his movie it's just this brilliant film it's beautifully experienced in the movies it, it totally deserves a theatrical release and all of the fanfare that comes along with that and unfortunately they didn't put the kind of back into that that they could have um, so uh, it's almost a well, self-fulfilling prophecy here's the thing though it's like this is one case where because I read an article in IndieWire about yeah. this the thing about it is is I don't put the entire blame on the studio here because the thing is Paramount took risks just recently on big budget original studio features. They made Mother, they made Downsizing, and they put money into those. Both of those bombed, and that's not the studio's fault. That's moviegoers' fault yeah, for not is. going out to see those that's movies. That's a good point. And that's a thing. And so, like, um, so with Annihilation, when I went to see it, so I went to go on a Friday. The Friday night it opened with um, with Will, and um, we were really excited because our showing got sold out. And I was really excited because I was like, yes, this is going to do right. I'm like, while I'm disappointed, I can't see this now. This is good because, Ooh, maybe people are going to come see this one. And it'll like show studios. Hey, there is still a market for, you know, big budget studio features. So we couldn't go to that showing. We couldn't, we didn't have time for it the was other. Definitely so, bittersweet though. Very, right, very right. sweet in its own way. Right. And so we went home, um, and watched mute instead. Nice. Um, and then I saw annihilation the next day. And then, yeah, and of course, you know, by the weekend, yeah, sales were tanking. And but, um, but this is, I mean, it. So reading that article and talking about this, it's like it's an important should be an important message to moviegoers here is that look, if we want these kind of deep original studio features that studios are going to put loads of money into, we need to go see them. You know, yes. I mean, but that's the you know people staying at home and not supporting these are the reasons i mean freaking blade runner bombed at the box office I, that movie was that movie was done such a disservice this past year that no oscar nomination for best picture these yeah. things are, are are tragedies in my mind but yeah. you know i mean you know first world problem tragedies but right, still right. tragedies nonetheless right um but i know everyone's reaction to that when you know they said especially in other countries that going straight to netflix is like oh they're mad at paramount and all that but this is really not their fault in this time because they just tried banking on you know several original features that no one saw i mean so, no they shouldn't have banked on mother they should have known damn well that movie was yeah, just like a frustration <laughs> waiting to happen but I, I i applaud them for taking chances and that is an interesting perspective to hey, to, to hey. put on it is that it's not like they don't take chances and i don't know who made suburbicom but that's another one of those um, yeah you know that 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 you know just didn't really do well but but they really put a lot into it. i mean we saw previews for suburbicon like crazy um, yeah. Now, what I understood was, though, that especially uh, like I'll give you another perspective. I didn't hear that about Annihilation, although I'm sure it's probably also true. But a similar thing happened with the recent Cloverfield movie, which we talked about. Um, and yeah. that went straight to Netflix. And apparently, as the day they signed the Netflix deal, the studio w made a huge profit. 
Like that was it. That's all they had to yeah. do. And so if that's what it's going to take for those kind of movies to be made and to be continued to be made, then so be it. Um, sure. And even if you know, even if you don't like that particular movie, maybe maybe turn your Netflix on, <laughs> shut the TV itself off, and just right, let it run right. in the background, just, just to like it. just to vote for that kind of content because go watch Mute, yeah, yeah, I just mean, yeah. just turn it on, even if you don't want to yeah. see Mute particularly, but you like movies right. like that, or you or you want to support independent film, that's a really good way sure. to do it. Because I'll tell you what, Nielsen ratings are are are, are the, a thing of the past. Netflix, can you imagine how high tech their data is for what people? Right. Have actually watch can you imagine they release almost none of it but boy is that valuable intel i would love to just go through their books oh my god i would have a field day it'd yeah, be so okay. fun to see what people watch and why um, right that, that I, I i wouldn't even know where to begin um another thing that's interesting is did you hear this this is another sort of news thing but did you hear that um um, um ready player one is is looking like it's going to be a flop or I saw not a flop, that. That not was... a flop, but but they were hoping like, to fifty million, and it's gonna it's yeah. coming in at thirty five, on uh, when they were expecting fifty at least. Yeah, with that's... all of that advertisement, the advertisement, and I mean Spielberg and shoot everything else with and the it. Property, but, I mean, yeah. I'm sure they paid a million at least for the rights. That book was huge. Yeah, um, I mean, it's got it's fan service to the max. Yeah, yeah. Um, I just am really surprised if that movie doesn't end up, you know, exceeding expectations. That's going to be surprising. Maybe it's not. I mean, I don't know. It has nothing to do with the quality of it either. It's just literally people's expectations at this point. Right. Nobody right. knows how good or bad it's going to be. Um, and then on the flip side of things, it's just an interesting climate. On the flip side of things, Black Panther just broke a billion worldwide. Yeah, a billion. Oh, I know. Um, it's, so I mean, it's beating out like every major blockbuster. I mean, in I mean, the last decade. So that makes me happy. I mean, that's great. Win, sure. one, win one for inclusivity. Win one for representation. Win one for trying original things. Win one for putting original voices on the screen. Um, but it's going to be interesting as people and, and you know investors and producers try to decipher what this means and reproduce it. Because I don't think it – you know, these, the kind of uh, – um, conclusions you can draw from this data aren't as simple as they may appear. You can't just say, ooh, I'm going to make uh, another superhero movie with another character that's similar to Black Panther and expect it to be successful. Maybe it will be. I don't know. But I think there's more to it. That movie is incredibly high quality, above and beyond its representation, above and beyond its inclusivity, although those things are very important. Sure. Um, so, all right, cool. Um, so anyway, that's, that's in, in a nutshell, what's going on with Annihilation. Uh, it didn't do particularly well. Um, when I saw it, I could fully understand why Paramount had trepidation. <laughs> could you, yeah, no, could you I, kind I, of get that? Whether or not you loved it, I know you really right, loved it. Right, I mean, but... it's, I mean, it's definitely the kind of movie I would go, I mean, I would have seen regardless, but I mean, yeah, it's not, you know, in terms of like, okay, who I would take with that to, uh, take, uh, um, with me that movie, it would be a you know shorter selection of friends. That's yeah. a really good point, and and yeah. you you have a wide range. I mean, you went to see yeah. um what's that what's that musical you went to see last year? Oh, uh, the Greatest Showman. Yeah, you went to the Greatest yeah. Showman. I mean, you went from that to to Annihilation to oh yeah, I mean, I know, see I mean, pretty much anything. You yeah. got a range. You really do. Yeah. Oh oh, to the Florida Project for for yeah for, yeah. For, I mean yeah know, for crying sure. out loud. Um, but um, I had a free pass, and that was the only thing playing at the indie theater. <laughs> I, I hey man, I saw a preview for it, and after hearing you talk about it, I had forgotten the details that you mentioned. Yeah, all yeah. I remembered is that you said it's not exactly a fun time, and I was like, not really, no. Yeah, but, and then I, I watched it, and I was like, oh, it looks a little lighter than maybe he thought, but no, it's not. I'm sure it's really depressing. Yeah, it's just neglect, neglected kids. That's what it's about, right? Yeah, 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 pretty much. Okay, cool. So what we're gonna do to start out this uh, review now? 
slight apologies for if you listen to our Black Panther review. I think we, if we had known just how complex that plot was, we may right. not have tried to summarize it. Um, it, it ended up being, and you know, Quinn had to step out early, but we'll definitely bring him on back on the show anyway. Yeah, uh, the time, but it was. I mean, I, it you know, went I, on and on. I mean, it we, went on and on, and we, and we and, got to we got to have our our say about the movie in between. But right, what right. You say? Yeah, no, and I mean, we looked at our clocks, and it was like four thirty-five, and. The shop closed at five, so we're like, crap, we gotta wrap up. Yeah, but, yeah. this is the, the, the trials <laughs> and tribulations. Um, that you know, there are negatives of recording at a shop, although most of it's very positive, and we oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. appreciate yeah. them so much. Okay, sure. um, so anyway, this time though, we are gonna still go with doing a, a plot synopsis, and that is because with this movie, it is a lot easier. Um, yeah, overall, it's a much simpler movie to talk about. Um, that movie is just really complex, which, which is interesting, deceptively like... so. Thematically, this movie we're talking about today is very complex, but on a basic plot level, there it's you know pretty easy to describe. So it's, yeah, it's interesting. Yeah. 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 Okay. Cool. Um, so first, I'm going to go through a list of the characters, the main characters, um, so that yeah. we can get a perspective. Main character of this film. Uh, oh, first of all, huge. If you didn't couldn't tell, huge spoiler warning. We are going yeah. to spoil every bit of this movie, every little crevice and cavity and 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 twist and plot point. So beware if you haven't seen it yet. Feel free to listen if you're never going to watch it, but if you are going to watch it, you probably should watch it and then come back. Okay. Sure. That said, Natalie Portman is the star of the movie. Um, she plays a biologist. I'm reading this off Wikipedia credit to, to whoever put this together. Um, she plays Lena, who I don't even remember hearing her name really, um, but she's a biologist. There are a few times. Okay, yeah. cool. Yeah. She's a biologist and a former soldier. Uh, I think she was in the military for like seven years, something like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, scientist in the military. Yeah. Um, her husband, um, who is played by Oscar Isaac, his name is Kane. Um, he was a soldier and is a soldier um, in the film. So he, he, even though his wife went to the civilian sector um, and then into academia, Natalie Portman, Lena, um, he stayed in the military and he is often going off on deployments. Um, so they spend a lot of time together, but also a lot of time apart. Um, Jennifer Jason Lee plays Dr. Ventress. Um, she's a psychologist, and when there is an expedition, which there will be shortly, she plays the leader of the expedition. Um, Gina Rodriguez plays Anya Thornson. She's a paramedic who's on the expedition that we'll be talking about. Tessa Thompson plays Josie Raddick, a physicist, also on the expedition with them. Um, and then Tuva Novotny as Cass Shepard, a surveyor and geologist, again, also on this um expedition um there's also benedict wong who plays lomax a scientist studying the shimmer um who interviews lena so he's sort of the framework of the movie um him interviewing her um are you there yeah okay cool. and then sure. there's her colleague right i forget his name yeah uh david yeah. gaiasi as daniel lena's colleague yeah, and, for- yeah. and former lover um yeah. and then um let's see sonoya mizuno as katie a student of lena's um okay i don't really remember that one too well what, yeah, what I mean, the main is. characters are the main five. Yeah. Um, expedition. Okay, cool. So now that we have that broken down, um, basically what you see at the beginning um, is the um, – does it start with Benedict Wong from the very beginning? Yes. It, uh, yeah, we get into this scene where um, – he because it's one of those non-linear kind of like Nolan-esque movies where um, it it starts in the present then does flashbacks. Um, right, and, right. Uh, and yeah, so um, basically, um, they're in a- Area X, which is a facility. So what's going on in this movie as a whole is there is this shimmer. Um, it starts at a certain point, 
Um, and from and it's a, it happens to be a lighthouse. And from that point outward is this shimmer. And when I say that, I mean it's just this field of shimmering light. Um, and, like a paranormal force field kind of thing. Right. And it's expanding. And this is yeah. very worrisome, um, especially because to explore what the hell's going on, the military has founded this thing called Area X. It's a facility. Um, they built uh, one that eventually got overtaken by it, and then they had to build the second one. And that's where the main movie, you know, um, arc takes place, The uh, is, is in and out of this Area X facility. Um and so they want to study this, and they've sent in a bunch of different teams, uh, military teams, and unfortunately, none of them have ever come back until one day um, when Lena's husband, Kane, played by Oscar Isaac, um, is missing for a year. She has no idea where he is. She's never told where he is because he's kind of like one of those military people that nobody kind of gets you know they don't tell you where, yeah. where they are because they're she always assumes he's dead at this point right yeah. um and she's mourning his death but somehow she can't get over it and move past it um and uh and then one day um we see in flashback that he just shows up out of the blue and she's you know pa- repainting their room to try to get over it and move on and and he just appears but he's not normal um he acts funny we don't really know what he was normally like yet although as flashbacks go on further you see he was a lot more fun yeah jokey and affable and they had a playful relationship very different yeah, than he's the way not he even is. like responding to any of her questions yeah. or she, and, you know, he doesn't explain why he's been gone or where he was or anything. He'll say stu- simple things like, why does it matter? And, and you know, I don't yeah. know where I've been. And he's just completely clueless. Um, so anyway, then I believe their house gets stormed um, and they're brought in. Um, and uh, is that right? Oh, no, yeah. no, 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 no. He, no, no. Well, he's, he, he, he has medical he issues. Yeah, he has yeah. medical issues. He gets, yeah. so he's dying basically. And it happens really quickly after he reappears. And when he's brought to a medic, he's being brought to the emergency room, but their, their convoy to the emergency, well, their, their ambulance gets hijacked by this convoy of area X people. And they uh, basically bring them to area X. And so he gets the best health care. He's been put in the, in, you know, in quarantine, um, and then she is sort of, you know, taken aside, given a sedative. And then when she wakes up, um, Dr. Ventress walks in and starts to explain to her um, kind of what's going on. Um, and, and, and like you said, Benedict Wong is, is interspersed throughout the movie, um, sort of asking her, what did you think when this happened? Or what did you think when that happened? So all of this right. is, is kind of narrated by that. You know, so we know that at the end of the movie, as long as the movie's playing fair with us, that she's still alive. Um, right. We know that none of her team are with her, um, so presumably they're all dead. However, she's specifically asked about the different members, and the movie makes a controversial choice at the beginning and tells you a couple of the different characters' names that are dead. She's, they're like, how about Dr. Ventress? She's like, dead. And how about this person? And she's just like, I don't know. Um, yeah. So a couple of them are MIA, and a couple of them are dead, and you know that from the beginning. However, although I heard that as a criticism, people were like upset that that took away some of the tension. Um, the, the thing about it is you don't know the characters' names when you hear that. So I, I, I didn't have a, I didn't have a point that I could reference. So I didn't remember what name she said anyway, you know, once I got introduced to the characters. So it didn't relate right. in the way I expected it to. I don't know. How about, what was your mileage on that one? Hey, I mean, it, well, for one, it happened so fast that I was, you know, I didn't remember the names either. And then two, I, I mean, I'm less bothered by when something like that happens because, for one, it's you know, a, a movie like this, you know people are going to die, you right. know, but that, and so that wasn't really a big surprise for me. I was never, I mean, that wasn't really like, oh my gosh, I'm so shocked, you know, this character died or 
went missing or whatever. It's more, I'm curious, okay, what is the Shimmer about? You know, why are, if it's an alien, why are they here? You know, I want to know the how, the why, all that. Exactly. That was what I was interested in from the beginning anyway, so I could really care less about knowing who dies. I I felt the same way. I was worried it was going to bother me more being such a twist uh, addict, but uh, it really had no no, uh, negative impact on that. So anyway, um, she wakes up, uh, Lena wakes up, and Ventress, Dr. Ventress, uh, walks in. Um, and she is played, we just said it, by Jennifer Jason Lee, uh, in a really good performance. She's excellent. Um, she is, yeah. Uh, she really, she's very depressed, you can tell. Um, and it was interesting because, like, the last movie I saw her in was um, Hateful Eight, and there she's, like, so zany and unpredictable. Oh, she was so And here, it's a much more, a very different kind of character. And, yeah. Um, very, very really... powerful character still, a very strong right. character, but but much right. more muted and beaten down by the world, where in that yeah. way she's ready to just rip your throat out the minute she gets yeah. a chance. It's very interesting. She definitely has range. Um, so anyway, um, Dr. Ventress says he's dying. Um, your husband is dying. Um, we don't know what's wrong with him. Um but um, you are now here in uh, Area X, and this is when we're introduced to Area X, which I explained earlier. Um, and um, basically, you get introduced from that moment to uh, this group. Uh, so there's Dr. Ventress, and there is a couple other women there. Interesting decision to have it be all women. They ask that at one point, like, why are all women going on this expedition, which is... Uh-huh. And their comment was, well, they sent a lot of men in, and you know there hasn't really been any success with that, so they're sending us. And they never quite say that like it was a decision to send women. It's almost sort of like, this is just what happened. I think um, it was more that they wanted scientists on this one, because you know it was all just straight military yeah. Op- on the first mission but why are all the scientists women i thought of that too yeah. but you know like yeah. that, that's just i mean maybe that's just how it worked out i don't know what do you think i mean i yeah i it's not something i really focused on that i mean it worked and it works you know, well yeah i think there's and yeah i don't know i like i like that they that they went that way with it it's, it's definitely a, a good spin considering so many of these movies are about men um it was nice right. to see uh you know a, a different perspective on this type of movie right um, and uh, so anyway, she finds out that there's going to be this expedition going back into the Shimmer to see what's going on. It leaves in like eight days, something like that. So she goes outside, and there are these three other women there um, who are having drinks and kind of you know trying to chill out. They were brought in there originally to explore the Shimmer in different ways. So obviously Gina Rodriguez, uh, who plays Anya um Thornson was brought in as a paramedic because obviously they could have issues when people go in and need help um Tessa Thompson's character Josie Raddick is a physicist brought in there for obvious reasons to explore what's going on from a physical uh physics perspective um and then um Tuvo Novotny as Cass Shepard is a surveyor and geologist obviously looking at things from that perspective so what is the plant and fauna life like what are the rocks like what impact is the shimmer having and you know once you start to learn a little more about what the shimmer is doing you understand even more why they would have brought this particular crew on board um anyway um they she decides of course Lena that she wants to be part of this expedition um and finds out Dr. Ventress herself is also going um and uh the five of them set off and uh they go into the shimmer and that's kind of where the main plot really takes place um you want to take over from there for a minute um yeah so i'm trying to think of like what encounter they had first was it with the alligator yes so so the first thing they come across is actually the first thing that happens is they They get kind of amnesia yeah yeah Yeah, so basically they're in the shimmer and they're talking for a minute and I think it's Lena makes a comment that she doesn't even remember 
getting to that point and what transpired over the last, you know, 24 hours or whatever. Well, well, they look at their food and they realize that there's about two days worth of food consumed, but they remember none of it. So right right away as the audience, we see like there's very weird phenomena going on with time and space to some extent within this shimmer. Time Um, and space and it's like something supernatural, but it may be alien. It may be something else. We don't know. Um, but then the bit, so there's several kind of like monster encounters here. Cause, yeah. and this was the interesting thing about the movie too, was like in the trailer, um, obviously it has a very dark sci-fi feel to it, but it doesn't explicitly say that it's a horror movie or if mm-hmm. it's not. Or that um, it has monsters in it at all. I don't Right, think. right. And we quickly learned that there is a strong horror element to it. Um, and it, and I thought it was a nice blend of it too, but. Yeah, it's um, a sci-fi first, horror film, I'd say pretty clearly. Yeah, yeah, very much so. Um, and so the first instance of this we see is this like really grotesque alligator that jumps out at them um, and they have to fight off. And um, it does not kill anyone there, I believe. I think it injures them, um, but they are able to kill that one. But And through uh, that yeah. and through that experience, as well as some of the flora and fauna they've been seeing up to this point, they yeah. are starting to realize that DNA within the shimmer is being uh readjusted and reapplied and that things are morphing and dividing um it's either at this point or a little later now it's later but you see like two deer that are kind of have mirror images of one another that are kind of mimicked um and so you start to see that dna is if you for lack of a better word it's being shuffled like a deck of cards within the shimmer and you start to see this more and more the alligator has shark teeth even though it's an alligator and Um, it kind of moves faster than a traditional one too Um, yeah just more beastly in general bigger Uh, bigger more mutated um so yeah they have that fight they are able to kill it uh but i think it just injured one of them if i yeah, remember yeah correctly. i believe it was it was it was josie um it was um right, right. um tessa tessa thompson's character gets right. injured um then they go further in um there is a um base that they get to a military base right um, they and all go the in base. there and this is where we start to this is this is the place we referenced earlier this used to be the area x base before the shimmer expanded right and so and this is here where they find if i remember the some of the video footage of kane and his crew there is that where yeah that that's that it oscar isaac's yeah. characters um video footage was there and what they basically wanted to dock and, and first of all it shows that they were doing like rounds to guard the facility so, so right. immediately this crew starts doing the same um, and then there's this very disturbing video. And this is the first time when you really get a glimpse or a thought yeah. of what you think is going on. And what's really cool about the movie is it, it it misleads you at these points. So very clearly you're thinking there's monsters involved here. There is the, – the enemy is monsters, right? There's there's um, the, there's that crocodile and there's some kind of horrible snake. And, and, and the reason you think there's a snake is because the video shows they cut they, – they viciously cut – the stomach open of one of their comrades in the video and inside are these swirling snake-like thing and the characters actually say is that a snake or is that his organs no there's no way because these organs are moving and twisting and turning and and just just like by on their own in this very weird way and you have no idea what to make of it so at this point in the movie you're you, you, it really disorients you into knowing whether or not you're facing an actual physical foe or what this DNA thing that is that's going on or what and also um, the more military character, Anya, is starting to get really upset because she looks down at her hands and her fingerprints are changing in front of her face. And her right. hands are acting funny. Um, also at this base, um, Natalie Portman's character does some research on her blood and sees that she's got some kind of infection or some kind of weirdness going on. Um, and then um, 
in the middle of the night, uh, there's like this noise and a blast. And, um, you know, Dr. Ventress is out in a little place, uh, doing her watch. Natalie comes out there and, and, or no, whatever. The the point is a a big bear comes from the woods, um, attacks the camp. Um, we, you know, just before that, you find out Dr. Ventress has cancer and, and she's going to die. Um, so she doesn't really care too much. You kind of find that out. Um, well, did we talk about what happened in the video too? Because that, what else happened? Well, I mean, like when they cut the guy open in the video. That is not we... what I said. And there's snakes. Okay, in the yeah, 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 yeah. That that's that's the point. Is that freaks them out like crazy. That so they hide. Right. They they do watch. Right. Um, right. And then at that point, uh, the bear, this bear comes and it's making these horrific noises. Is that that scene? Yeah. Oh. It was. Yeah. Uh. Yeah. No. Yeah. Yeah. So. No. Wait they, a they were like. Yeah. That's right. Yes. Bear. There's two bear yeah. scenes. That's right. So yeah, this bear yeah. comes and takes away Cass. Is that her name? I think I just said it. Yeah. Um, Cass. Yeah. And um, her name is uh, yeah Cass Shepard takes her away. Um, and um, basically just she disappears with her and she's screaming and, and then it's just gone. You don't really see the bear at this point, but you see that it was probably a bear. Anyway, the rest of them have to make a decision at this point. Somebody's dead now. Do we move on or do we stay put? Um, and, um, you know, Dr. Ventress is where it's kind of revealed that she's dying of cancer anyway, so she doesn't really care and she's just going to get to this lighthouse and one way or another figure out what's going on. Um, and then Natalie Portman very clearly wants to keep going and she sort of right. tell, tells the others who are very skeptical at this point, they're like, we need to go back. And she convinces them the better way to do this is to just go forward. There's no reason to go back um, because it would take longer. And that may or may not be true. The point being right. she wants to get to the lighthouse, find out what's up with her husband, maybe save his life. Also just explore this mystery because she's you know very a biologist and really wants to understand it. So anyway, they set off. And the, maybe the climactic scene, the first cli- – I'd say the first climax, very climactic scene takes place in this cabin they get to next. Um, so first and foremost, they're walking in the woods and they come across some evidence of Cass. And then Natalie Portman goes off to discover that Cass's body has been shredded and ripped up and it's laying in some pile. So the bear just destroyed her and she's dead. Then they find this little cabin to go stay in. Um, somewhere, right? This little, like, cool little cabin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then at this cabin, um, there, Anya is starting to get completely freaked out. Um, and while they're sleeping, she ends up tying up the others, and it sort of brings out that idea you see in movies of who's the real enemy. Is it outward or is it inward, right? Is it, you know, like in The Walking Dead, is the zombies the real enemy, or is it the people because they're in a zombie apocalypse, right? Sure, um, sure. Same concept. And so Anya f- flips out, loses her shit, um, her fingerprints are changing. She feels like she's going to die. And so she takes everybody hostage and and um, wants to get answers. And the main answer she wants to get is, what's up with Lena? Why haven't you told us that Kane was your husband? Because she'd been keeping that from everybody. Right. So right when this happens, um, she's holding them up. And it looks like she's about to kill someone. It's getting really bad. Yeah. At, at that moment, a bear shows up. And it's the most excruciatingly screaming bear. So it turns out this bear has part of has has consumed or bonded or reformed with Cass. So you actually hear it screaming, but it's a person screams even though it's a bear. So yeah. the bear's like, help me! It's really <laughs> freaky. That's pretty good. Yeah, right. It's really <laughs> scary. It's really yeah, no, scary. I mean that like. Well, I mean, one of the, just a quick, uh, one of the reviews I saw said it was like if the movie's like if David Cronenberg and David Lynch made Predator, and it really is like that's really true. Yeah, like the concept of like you know creepy sci-fi horror, but jumps it 
you know, to a whole new level. And especially with this creature design, it just jumps at you. It's so ugh, gruesome it's and really fast. Scary. And yeah, it's really, so, really scary. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I was horrified at this point. I was, yeah, gripping, I was yeah. gripping the side of my seats and I'm very rarely disturbed or horrified because, no, because pop culture has desensitized do. me. I'm desensitized. Right, right. I'll admit it. Um, sure. Video games and comics and movies. I mean, I've seen it all, but I haven't sure. seen that. Yeah. Um, and so that's really, really, really out there. So, um, is this, I think Anya is killed at this point by the bear trying to yes. save them, right? So yeah. she goes out yep. a little heroically, kind of redeems herself a bit. So they sort of wake up the next day. It's, it's Ventress, it's Lena, and it's Tessa Thompson's character, Josie. Um, and then this is where things get even weirder because Tessa Thompson basically, so she had, you find out that she, all these women have a past. So Cass lost her daughter. Um, Dr. Ventress is dying of cancer. Lena's husband um, disappeared, and, and you know what's going on with him. Um, and Josie, Anya had some other issue. Oh, she was an alcoholic recovering. Yeah, yeah. Anya's uh, issue, you know, Anya's was the recovering. Josie's issue was she has depression she always fights with, and she was a cutter. Um, and so what happens is you, you, she goes outside, and she starts talking all wistfully and strange, and she's just like, I you know, I know what you guys want. You know, you you want to get to the lighthouse to save your husband. And Dr. Ventress wants to get to the lighthouse to stop this. Me? I don't know that I want any of those things. And then she's just like wisping around and it's really creepy. And also, you, earlier you saw that there's these ferns and they're shaped in the shape of humans. Like as yeah. if like DNA from humans got into the plant's DNA and made them yep. grow that way. Like the the, right. the design document that is in our DNA combined. And so basically Tessa Thompson evolves or devolves into a plant right in front of you. And out of the cut marks on her arms come these ferns that grow out and sort of cover her body and she walks off into the distance and disappears and this is why when earlier in the film we see that lena says you know a couple people are dead but a couple others she's not sure because Cass is now a bear kind of and you know josie is a plant and has kind of evolved into this different creature it was very eerie and and, and creepy yeah. and yeah. it's almost like two different kinds of scares and horror body horror slash really interesting wispy scary ghostliness and you know violent visceral horror sort right. of juxtaposed in, in this really unique way um so i, I mean I, i'd say the credit should be given both to the novel and to the movie in in that particular sense that they really and that's have... hard to do to find kind of a balance of you know both tones ideas um and just like you know, ways for executing horror, you know? Yeah, yeah, really hard. Um, and it's also just, it, it's it's unique. This whole movie is very groundbreaking. Yeah. Um, and just does very different things. It's, it's I can understand why Hollywood was scared of it because it is different. Yeah. It is a different beast. It's not for everyone. It is a very different beast. Okay. So anyway, this sort of signals the, the start of the end game. Um, and that end game is, and you see little clips interspersed of like, um, the relationship between Natalie Portman and Kay and her husband when they were happier and that there was a little distance there and that she had an affair with her colleague at a certain point, and, you know, because he was away so much. And you see some of that stuff for character development, but it's not really that important. And then um, the end game is um, Ventress and Lena, both for their own reasons, are going to make this last stretch out to the lighthouse. And uh, Ventress runs off first and Lena 
uh, sort of does it at her own pace and they both sort of make it there. Um, that's where you see more of these kind of flashbacks and, you know, um, they finally get up to the, um, to the lighthouse and this is where sort of the final confrontation is. Um, you don't see Ventress anymore until sort of a little bit later, but Lena walks into the lighthouse and she sees a charred body. Um, that looks like it was sort of like irradiated or destroyed and then she sees a camera pointing at it and so this is the second time that like some footage is going to give us a story about what happened so she walks up tenuously to the camera and she sees um, that Kane, her husband the real Kane, um, is being interviewed um, and uh, he's being interviewed by some unknown figure that we don't know what it is um, and uh, he's just like Hi, my name is Kane. I used to think I was a man, but now I'm not so sure. Am I me? Am I you? I just don't know. But he goes, but I do know what happens when you release a phosphorus bomb. So, Lena, I love you. I will always love you. And then he, like, emits this bomb and he burns himself alive. And then, creeping around the camera and about to turn it off, you see... Kane. Again, Kane's face, <laughs> and uh, it Did turns you drop out. Your mouth at that point, I can. Uh, I drop I, my I mouth. See you in the theater. Yeah, I drop yeah. my mouth. Yeah, that's the yeah. big. That's the big twist. Is right. is that Kane has been duplicated somehow, and there are two Kanes. Um, and then they go on to really explain how that could have happened in a really convincing way. So, um, it's really creepy. Um, Kane, the the new doppelganger Kane, turns on turns off the camera, and you don't see him anymore at this point. Um, and then uh, Lena sort of heads further into the facility, um, and then she gets down into this like the the depth of it all. So this is the source of where all this shimmer is coming from, and in there she sees you know all this sort of shimmering light and different stuff. And then there's Doctor Ventress in there, and this part's a little bit confusing. What exactly happens here? Do you remember? I mean, she basically explains that so it is aliens at the heart of this, and you know they're uh, here kind of creating new life in a way you know they're not invaders they're not even visitors really but they're kind of you know taking what's there and sort of creating their own um but yeah i don't know how well it's you know i'll best explain it there um and then what and then she dies there or what so so basically um she, she finds Ventress, this is what Wikipedia says, who tells her the forces at work are extraterrestrial and will spread yeah. to encompass the entire world. So don't forget, this book is the first in a trilogy when it comes right. to the novels. So this right. is kind of the origin story and the introduction of this alien force. Um, and so um, Ventress disintegrates into a glowing nebulous structure. And right. then that glowing nebulous structure absorbs a drop of blood from Natalie Portman. Um, and from and that, yeah. creates her copy. So yeah. then it's a really cool scene where Natalie Portman squares off with herself. And this was probably my favorite part of the movie, too. I mean, it's definitely – and it has this this very interesting soundtrack. My, I actually didn't love the soundtrack throughout the whole film, strangely. There were the, the little, like, journeying sort of folk guitar that they played. Yeah. It wouldn't have been my choice personally. Sure. But this sure. scene, when it kicks in with, like, this dubstep but not dubstep, where it's like, wow, wow, yeah. Very this much like that. Felt, well, it felt like a rival too. In yeah, a yeah, yeah. And that vibrating. It also had that vibrating bass that you felt during like yeah. when, you, when you saw Interstellar at theaters. That like yeah. 
feeling that was going on. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, no, I do. And, and I do. there's this, and, and it's like this, this, this glassy, glowing mimic. And as she, and as Lena moves, the mimic moves along with her and does everything she does. A little delayed though. It's not perfect, and that's important because if it were perfect, there'd be no defeating it. So yeah. then it becomes this intricate, beautifully choreographed dance between her and her mimic, and she has to like try to escape from it. And so she's dancing. She runs to the door, and not because the mimic's trying to stop her from escaping. Escaping, but just because it, of course, would run also, runs to right. the door and blocks her. So she realizes that this is going to be a big impediment. So she has to figure out how to kill it. And this just it, – it's a glorious scene. And then by the end, um, she takes another one of those bombs, finally understanding kind of why this was the strategy. Um, these uh, – they're, they're these um, phosphorescent uh, – what do you call those? Um, they're, they're, uh, they're, there's a word here. It's a um, phosphorus grenade. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And she yeah, rips yeah. it off, and then she she convinces the mimic to grab it from her, and then she runs off, and then the mimic kind of gets destroyed by it, um, right? And, and kind of dies, and then the whole lighthouse breaks, and she breaks out, and the lighthouse sort of disappears, and and that's pretty much it. Um, so she escapes from this, and quote unquote destroys what was causing the shimmer, and everything kind of goes back to normal. I mean, as much as it can, um, but yeah. she has, in theory, at this point ended the alien threat on earth at least up to what we know at, at least the visible one to this point so that's when things reconnect um in the present um we see that lena is being interviewed by benedict wong's character and, and finishing the debrief and you see that i mean you've seen it all along but there's this whole room of scientists around her sort of observing this because they've brought in all the you know brightest minds from all over the world to find out what the hell happened she's the only survivor what was it and you see that what they're really interested in is are these extraterrestrials are these aliens they're so fascinated and it almost shows like that 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 human's curiosity will be the death of us you know um and 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 that curiosity can kill the cat and 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 he's just like so it was alien wasn't it she's like i don't know i really don't know um can i see my husband now right right um and then she goes in to uh see her husband and um you know she's being quarantined too now so why couldn't they be together and all of a sudden since this thing was destroyed in the lighthouse Kane's okay. He's kind of up. He's not his normal self, though. And he's right. certainly very clearly that doppelganger that we saw uh, was created or at some point when Kane originally visited the lighthouse, just like Lena's doppelganger was created. It's very, very cohesive. Um, and then basically there's this really sort of cagey, um, yeah, uh, cryptic is the word, uh, conversation that goes on between them. And she goes in there and she says, you're not Kane, are you? And then he goes, I don't think so. And he goes, are you Lena? And then she's just like, yes. Um, and then they just, that's it. And they just sort of yeah. like are together and they and they bond. And it, it seems pretty clear that she's willing to accept this fact. Now that she's seen the wonder of this, this alien source and understands what she's dealing with. Almost her curiosity, curiosity as a biologist is my interpretation, along with her true love for Kane and this experience that's you know changed her forever. Yeah. May, and she's got the virus in her now too, um, whatever it is, virus, DNA splicing, whatever you want to call right, it. So, right. and it's almost and so it becomes very clear she's willing to accept this different form of Kane, and that's kind of the end of the movie. Yeah, and, and kinda, it's a doozy, man. It really is, and. I don't know, the vibe I got from that closing scene, and especially with Oscar Isaac there, he kind of gave off, like, a, a David from Prometheus and Alien Covenant, where, like, he starts off very non-threatening, and then 
kind of could very much evolve into something dangerous. So yeah. that's a really be- good read. Yeah, that's a really good read. I think you're right on with that. Um, yeah, it, yeah, and it'll be that kind of villain that's very not loud, doesn't yell at right, you. you know, right, it just kills you with cold calculation. Well, because um, it's like I mean, the, like the alien's purpose, it's not so much to you know just eradicate life for the sake of eradicating. It's like they want to build something better. They right, think they can. Right, it's almost like uh, the next yeah. form of evolution, which is a concept yeah. that's been tackled before. Is you know, this right, kind of, right. I'll, I'll give you an example of where it's been tackled. Interestingly. Um, is in comics in the Avengers arc by Hickman. Did you read that at all? No. Okay. Um, it's That's this good. interesting arc about um, these these people up on another planet. I forget the name of the creature, but basically it just exists to like determine whether or not Earth is worth salvaging, and if not, recreate it like a new garden world in its own okay. image. So that same kind of concept, which has been done before, but not quite this way. I'm really no, intrigued no. by it. I mean, I, I think there's very little chance there'll ever be another movie, but I could certainly see myself reading the other two books, or maybe all three books, because you kind of would have to see the original take on the story to follow sure. it forward. Um, but it's definitely intriguing um, and I, I will say though as, as an overall thought and then we can talk about specifics I will say yeah. that I didn't leave the theater feeling I know you guys liked this a lot I, I left the feel, theater feeling like it was a really well written interesting you know thing I wasn't feeling like the kind of way I felt when I got out of Blade Runner, if that makes sense. I didn't. No, I, well, I mean, it, you know, it takes a lot out of you, and it's yeah. no, it's not exactly an uplifting ending, that's for sure. No, uh, or or even it, one that uh, that lets you <laughs> that lets you even say I enjoyed that movie for me right. anyway. I wasn't able to say I enjoyed my time with it, and that isn't the goal always, but in a way it is. Like I'm not going to say every movie has to be fun, but I do sure. feel like a movie should be generally, unless it's a documentary, making a point sometimes. But even yeah, those. Uh, there's enjoyment in understanding there's enjoyment in learning there's enjoyment in knowledge and in this sure. case and in and in the case of movies that aren't necessarily fun schindler's list for example there's enjoyment in the craft of how well it's created there's enjoyment in the the portrayals there's enjoyment in the fact that finally this story has been told the way it needs to sure, be told sure. and revealed you know so there's different types of enjoyment it's the that's a that's a word only for lack of a better word but i no, can't that's, that's say very fair. But, yeah. you know, but I can't say that I enjoyed this movie, and I also can't say that I think it's like a masterpiece. Although yeah. I do think it's very good. I mean, that's fair. Like, I mean, I know as I really liked, I would also say, I mean, very good. Like, I mean, I wouldn't. I don't know if I call it masterpiece yeah. level, but um, but I, I mean, part of it is I really like those kind of sci-fi horror movies. That, yeah. Um, and not just sci-fi, but like you know, you look at a lot of the '70s and '80s sci-fi horror, and you know, as fun as they are. They're not really, you know, there to make a point or yeah. do anything, you know, that's really hard sci-fi. I mean, ones like Predator or Aliens, et cetera, that, you know, they're just, you know, shoot 'em up action movies. But, like, what I really liked about this one is that it did ask some really interesting questions and that, um, you know, I was guessing the entire time. I liked that. Yeah. Well, what I liked about the ending was that it was definitely ambiguous, but not to the point where, like, what did I just watch? Like I am left with no satisfaction whatsoever. I, I mean, I got, I came away with like, I mean, still a lot of questions certainly, yeah. but enough answers at the same time. And that, and so that's what I appreciated. Yeah, um, you know, whereas like, I heard everyone who saw mother just, you know, said that it's like the most ambiguous ending you could possibly think of that. I'm not really interested in if I don't want to, you know, I think, it's cheap. I think it's cheap. I think yeah. it's, I think it's, uh, uh, not. I think it's. I think it's much easier. I think it's right, much right. easier to make a movie that doesn't have answers. I'll give you another example of a really good, well done, ambiguous ending. Um, is um, 
oh 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 i'm trying to think of the name of it the dreams movie by nolan um oh inception yeah, yeah. inception really yeah, yeah. great ambiguous ending because it gives you sure. most most of the closure you want but then it gives you just a little question of what might come or what might right. be not true that you just saw or oh wait a minute is there a different read on this story than the one that i think that i have um and i think this movie does a really good job at that at 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 giving me answers so here are, here are the answers that we have Kane's doppelganger is absolutely with her in that room. Right. Um, she has been changed in some way by this experience. It's possible not physically anymore. It's possible that she has been changed physically, but one way or another, we're pretty clear that it's the real Lena and the doppelganger Kane. Instead of like wondering if it's the real Lena, they made that pretty clear. It isn't. Um, I think, but you could still wonder, you know? Yeah. Um, and so, and it's almost an Adam and Eve story. I mean, there's, it's a takeoff point for a million ideas of what could happen. These two could be the mother and father of, you know, the, the new age, the new race that takes over the world. Right. And that's very much possibility. That's an implication that I think it has is like, these two are here now. They've come together. They accept one another, this journey. It took this journey to get there, but now that they're there, watch out earth. Yeah. Um, and, and I think that's a really interesting concept, although it's not explicitly stated and doesn't need to be done. Um, yeah. And they did that a lot of times. Like, you don't quite know what's going on there. So we know that they explain about halfway through or two-thirds of the way through that what is going on in this movie is DNA is being resequenced and mixed, remixed, kind of like a, a DJ with two turntables. And you take the bear on one turntable <laughs> and you take uh, the human on the other and, you know, you mix them together. And that's literally what's going on. And although that, that that's hard to explain biologically that is what's happening and within this shimmer and this alien world that that's what's going down and i i love the possibilities that that suggests and i love the fact that people met their demises or maybe not demises maybe their evolutions in different ways and and i just think that it's really interesting that it's almost like like for josie's a great example she has this beautiful horrific ending it's both beautiful and horrific in that she turns into this plant and it's i mean to me it was horrible i mean it was i was so disturbed by it but she almost seemed at peace with it in a weird way that was very made it even scarier or more haunting it's kind of like i don't know it's kind of like if you hear somebody that's willing to take their own life it's like yeah and they seem at peace with it it's like it's more disturbing that you're okay with this well it's like that and especially that the flower field scene it was a very surrealist feeling to it and um and i thought it was done really well uh but yeah i mean i got that too because you know they're entering into this other world this other dimension and there's an element of evolution to it and so you get the idea that yeah there is some kind of spiritual transcendence here going on that while there is you know brutal violence as well um yeah we don't fully understand okay what the implications of their deaths or disappearances may be it may be something that may benefit them you know so absolutely yeah absolutely some kind of interesting evolution um yeah it's definitely it's definitely interesting and what yeah what's also interesting is that you you know their relationship in our eyes as the viewer hers natalie portman's and oscar isaac's changes as we watch the movie because at first you think they were so madly in love and everything was perfect and then you see that scene with them cuddling in bed you see that about two times where they're just Uh having the most fun um 
and yet there's still a distance between them because he can't tell her where he's going and then he all of a sudden has to go a day early and there's just there's there's weird things going on that you know they have that that and the fact his job makes them stay at a distance and they are truly in love but their circumstances have distanced them and interestingly after and, and you know she's having an affair and and he's always off and he's being secretive and stuff's not right and then almost through this adventure this this traumatic slash uplifting experience they come together and even though it's his doppelganger they almost feel more connected than any other point at the movie and right. and, and it's just really i don't know it asks a lot of really interesting questions while also giving us a lot of concrete answers well and it's interesting too that you know you going back to the team itself is like you know they didn't pick character or characters to go on this expedition who were all had it together and had everything to lose they picked people with nothing to lose that it already either lost their family or friends or just had a lot of baggage carrying with them. Um, and because of that, they have something to gain, you know? Yeah, so. absolutely. Absolutely. I think I think that... So let's talk a little bit about that. Let's talk about the characters. What do you yeah. think of the team? What was your favorite part of the team? And, and how do you feel like the dynamic went? Yeah, I mean, I really loved Lena. And then um, what's Jennifer for Jason Lay's character? Dr. Again? Ventress. Ventress. So... I mean, I love the, the two of them the most. Um, you know, Cass, we didn't get to know as well. Um, Although she really, really was likable. Um, she oh, did... yeah, very likable. And, I mean, the casting all around was fantastic. It really was. Um, I thought they all demonstrated really good chemistry. Um, there was no one, like, over the top or character or unbelievable. I thought they, you know, because um, you could easily have just, you know, when you have a group of characters who are all damaged and have lost something those could easily turn into cliches and to like really characters and i think on both the writing and acting front they did a really good job avoiding that yeah. and turning them into fully fleshed out characters so like yeah they each had their thing that they had lost you know the one lena being um her husband's gone and um you know one's dying of cancer another one's depression etc but they didn't like just that wasn't the only distinguishing feature about them Very you know? true you and, got to see them interact with each other um and in their own scene so i really like that dynamic yeah i think they played the uh they, they gave each character just the right amount of screen time i mean yes. he, obviously Cass is gonna have less because she's in less right, she right. dies sooner first, yeah, um, yeah, or sure. evolves sooner but what's interesting about her is she was a real good grounding element she makes you feel when she was in that there's a really good scene where they're in a boat they grab these two canoe, canoes right after the alligators, and they go on a little boat trip. And this is where you get more character development about the characters. Very organically done, by the way. Um, you know, it's it's in, when you find out that Josie was depressed, and you find out that Anya had an alcohol problem. Uh, right. And, and then also Cass reveals that she herself lost somebody, not her husband, but her daughter. Um, and and it's it's interesting. It, it, it's it's also in a way. I know that I think about it, a throwback a little bit. Um, well, they're not the same director, but Arrival had that same concept of, yeah, you yeah. know, of, of loss and, and, and who that makes you. And Amy Adams' character in that and her in this are, are similar in, in, in some ways in that, in that they have the weight of the world on their shoulders because they know what it can be. But it also gives them a certain clarity about what the world is and what it, you know, the pain. Once you've experienced pain to that degree, uh, it's almost like nothing can hurt me anymore. And, I, and Cass was kind of like that. Um, yeah, in a good way, and 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 very world weary, but not defeated completely, but somewhat. It, it was really interesting. Um, right, they're all kind of on suicide missions of their own sort. Oh, I'll tell you a part that I thought was great that kind of explains what I'm saying better than I'm doing. Ventress has this really good 
experience with or, or scene maybe one of my favorite scenes in fact i think it was the lines that i like the best from the movie now that i'm thinking on it and it was ventress and lena right before the bear comes to kill Cass, are in the little um uh guard post and yeah uh, yeah, yeah, and yeah. I remember this now and lena asks ventress you know what do you think was going on here do you think that kane was trying to kill himself was he suicidal like what was going on um and she says i think you're messing up the distinction between suicide and self-destruction yeah um and it is a really cool concept that's mirrored throughout the movie um and you know all of these characters in their own ways are on quests towards self-destruction and um it's it's just a really when i heard that i was like what does that mean and then later as you kind of think on it a little bit and then the movie gives you a little time there to think for a second like what does she mean by that and 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 the point is he doesn't necessarily think he's suicidal but he has tendencies and 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 things that are driving him towards self-destruction and i think she even goes so far as to say we're all self-destructive in our own way um and and then it also foreshadows literally how he self-destructs with a phosphorus grenade right um so it's just it's very well crafted obviously a lot of care went into the writing of this book and then film um i but that i'd say if there's one thing that moved me the most it was that part right and And i said too that they're not necessarily on a suicide mission they don't want to just end it it you know it comes up later when they have the fight about moving forward or going back it's like you know they're um, Gina Rodriguez's character still wants to try to salvage themselves. You know, I mean, they don't, you know, doesn't yeah. want to necessarily just head into a path that's just going to kill them all after you know cast dies and everything. Another so, thing, uh, I, I will say, my least favorite part of the movie probably um, was that scene where Anya, um, uh, uh, Rodriguez's character, um, uh, ties them all up. That was a little, yeah, it was a little extreme. I, I didn't like, like that. Yeah, I thought I mean, that was. I, Go ahead. On the one hand, I get that, yeah, they're going to be driven a little crazy here and that um, they're in this really weird environment. People are dying um, and she's pissed that, you know, Lena kept this information from them. But, yeah, I thought it was a little over the top for, the, you know, tie them up and interrogate well, them. Well, the implications yeah. and potentially kill them. She was threatening to kill her for real. Right. The implication right. Um, of like, like think about the many implications of her hiding that information. So fucking what? Like, it doesn't really matter yeah. if Kane. I mean, take it to its logical conclusion. Okay, so she knew Kane. She was related to Kane, and, and she knew that he went into here and, and didn't come back. And then when he did, he came back changed. So right. what? They all knew the place was fucked up and that nobody escaped it before. They all knew they had baggage. They, I mean, so keeping that from them, I mean, yes, it's a lie. And, and at this point, she's just paranoid because her – and I get that because her, her hands are – her DNA is literally shifting on her fingers right. in front of her face and she's losing her mind. And, and in a large part, it is suggested that other people have not made it to the lighthouse and have gone crazy in other ways ways and have killed each other potentially we don't know what happened a bad shit bad fucking shit happened um and so that's what's cool about the movie is it is ambiguous ambiguous in the fact that you don't really know what the enemy is in this what does the shimmer represent does it is it just a mutating force that creates creatures that kill everybody is that all it is is it uh, uh, this mist that makes you crazy and turn on each other or makes you whatever and then when you do find out that it's all about dna recombination is it just that that makes you crazy and makes you kill each other? So constantly as we get more data, it still can lead to multiple conclusions until the end when you find out, still ambiguous enough, but clearly kind of what the real impact or what the 
what the point of all of this is. And, sure. and so I think that ambiguity really serves it well throughout. It just rides that line right, I think. Yeah, yeah. No, but it is fair to have that scene was a little over the top. I mean, it's not like, you know, like, I'm, you go back to Inception for a minute, it's like the scene where, um, you know, Dom kept from the rest of the team that um, if they get killed there in this dream realm, they're stuck in limbo forever. You know, he kept that from them. You know, that would be, they would have license to tie him up there. Oh, you know? yeah. but like, Absolutely. Well said. But, well said. Yeah. Because that is actual, like, actionable data. Right, that, right. That they needed to yeah, know for their own survival. We're basically going to hell. Yeah. I mean, I, and yeah. so the only way to explain her behavior, because she is, you know, in essence, a good person. The only right. way to explain her behavior is that she's been driven mad and that yeah. she's paranoid yeah. about stuff that's not real. Like thinking right. that if you lied about this, what else have you lied about and what's really right, going on? Right, that's right. the only way you can explain that. Um, it, it does. It does and they're so- all military, so it's understandable for them to, you know, kind of take, you know, be more precautious when something like when someone's being secretive you know right and from a plotting perspective i get that the point is when she's killed you want to not be as upset um, yeah you know from a writing perspective they demonized her a little before they brutally kill her and then they let her be more of a hero it, it's i can understand why they wanted to do it it you know make her bad and then maybe redeem her or make her bad so that you're not as in pain when she's horribly murdered by this screaming yeah. banshee bear yeah um it, it's hard to watch anyway, um, but I mean that that wasn't my favorite scene. Like I said, that would be one of my complaints, sure. and also some of the music. I was just it, it always went when they were like after horrific shit happened, and they start walking, and then they play that kind of like it sounds almost like a bluegrass or like a like a um I don't even know like a country artist uh like into the wild soundtrack or something. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. And, yeah. And, and they're like making their next little leg on the journey. I it always took me out of it. it always made me feel like man, like this is boring. I don't I, even though it's not boring. It just made me think like oh, this is what like a boring movie would do. So I didn't. Well, you have a music background too, so I think you're more keen to understand or like to notice stuff like that. So yeah, yeah, yeah sure. It, no, felt, it wasn't it like the bit. best soundtrack overall, but I did. I also really liked the theme in the dance scene at the end. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. No, that yeah, stuff. Yeah. That stuff was fantastic. Um, and yeah, the, yeah. And it was very different than kind of the, the right. Anyway. The main. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that That's theme cool. when they were their their traveling theme. I would call it like right. It was like a fast picking. Yeah, it was. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, Um. So so we were talking about the characters though. So you you really liked um. Do we? What do we think of Josie? Do we think she was solid? I thought she was good. Yeah. I mean, I thought they were pretty much all solid. I just you know, Lena and. Um, Ventress. The Ventress were the standout yeah, for me. Definitely. For me, I like Tessa Thompson better in sure. Thor, and I like her better in Westworld. I haven't seen Fruitvale Station, although I want to. Um, she was one of the things that when I heard she was in this, it really intrigued me to see it. But her character is such a downer that it's like, I think part of it is that. I mean, she definitely played the role. It's a hard well. character to play. Yeah, yeah especially yeah. a hard character to make likable. Right. Um, not that I hate her or anything. Um, but especially just... coming off playing a really comedic one in Thor, and then um, you know in Creed, she was also really fun there too. Oh, yeah. that's right. Sure. That's right. Yeah, she's, yeah. She's a um, she's a she's a, a girlfriend in, in Creed. Yeah. Right. She probably yeah. would have been in, in Black Panther also had she not already been cast in. Uh, yeah, I know. Yeah, in yeah. I'm sure he would have found a role for her because she's so oh, talented. Sure. She's sure. so. Anyways, I like her a lot. Um, sure. Okay, so let's talk about Oscar Isaac. What did you think of his performance? Oh, yeah, I mean, he's always great, but I made a joke on um, Facebook, too, that, like, uh, you know, Alex Garland wants to work with every Star Wars actor imaginable. <laughs> now he's uh, he's had Domino. Padme and Poe Dameron marry each other, then he had Domino Gleason and Ex Machina with Oscar Isaac, so, but, 
I mean, Oscar Isaac is always great. I mean, he you is. know, like we don't get to see as much of him here, you know. But Which I thought he did a really good job playing. Um, I spent more so the the doppelganger was more interesting. Yeah. Um, because... Yeah, I thought his Kane. I thought the also the the southern accent on Kane I think was not well executed. Yeah. Um, and I, I also that. thought I also thought he didn't do it that well. I just think that sure. was a misstep. Sure, um, sure. Trying to make him kind of like an, a naive rube soldier type. I it was like, yeah, it was it's almost a like they southern accented him to make him seem a little like less bright or a little bit more naive, and, right. which is unfortunate. I mean, especially us living in the South, we know that's by definition yeah, the furthest from the truth. You get tired of those stereotypes. Yeah, you, you do. And and also just I just didn't think it worked that well. So when he's like, my name is Kane. When I right. heard that, I was like, wait a minute, what? I was like, Come on, what, what's <laughs> this? Like, why do you sound like that? That's weird. You sound like a farm Don't boy. Oh, military, southerner. Yeah, because that's... Yeah, it's like, why don't you go get some rat, rat pain, you know? Um, anyway, uh, anyway, that wasn't my favorite decision. Sure. Uh, but him but as him as the doppelganger it, kills Like him. I said earlier, like, I mean, it, if they ever get to make more of these or, you know, I'm curious to read the books to see if this is true, but... Yeah, I was getting very much like a David vibe from, the, um, from Prometheus and Alien Covenant um, because he had that kind of, like, where, well, at the beginning, you know, he's just distraught and um, doesn't really know who he is. But at the end, you get the idea that he's kind of, like, starting to awaken. And um, that could mean different things. You know, it could mean that um, he's just very subtle and he is very harmless. Or it could mean that he's going to evolve into something incredibly dangerous and powerful. Um, not in the traditional, like, corny villain way, but in a really, like subtle but also terrifying manner you know and yeah I, I was able to get a lot just from those last few seconds of the movie um from their interaction so i thought he and natalie portman did a lot with just that small bit of screen time at the end yeah and I, yeah very very true i think they really killed yeah. it in those in those like minute and a half two minutes right, and i right. love the writing i love that he goes yes. are you lena she said yes and then she goes are you're not kane are you and he goes i don't think so i don't know I yeah. love that. It's, it's such good writing. It's not yep. no. It's I don't think I am. I mean, it's yeah. it's, it's really because he really he partly is Kane. I mean, it's just uh, it's so interesting. It's just yeah. it's such an interesting thing to think about. So I think I would love to see the next uh, movie of this, and I and I think I may have to read the books. You know, a because I'm curious as to what happens, and b sure. because I'm so fascinated by this Netflix style release schedule and this yeah, idea. Yeah, yeah, they're all um, out. Yeah, might as well. Yeah, I mean they they all came out. They're also I think relatively short. And I just looked it up. It looks like the first book, um, Annihilation, was. Um, uh, like a, 208 pages, like they're pretty oh, short. Yeah. Um, so it's it, it definitely would be interesting to see what the source material looks like um, and compare it uh, to the movie. Sure. So we've sure. talked about a lot of the different themes, self-destruction. We've talked about, um, you know, people's past and how do they overcome them. Um, we talked about, you know, relationships and distance and, 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 you know, how that is represented in the film and, and also what motivates us, what drives us, uh, evolution, DNA. I mean, there's a lot in there. It's, it's a big, it's a heady mix. Sure, um, sure. So, so what do you think as a whole? Do you think that there was something else they could have done with this movie to kind of make it not more mainstream, but maybe could have improved on it? Or do you think for what it is, it's kind of where it needs to be? No, I think for what it is, it's, I mean, it's what I wanted it to be, what I yeah. want, you know, and then, um, like I said, you know, I get why Paramount was very skeptical. Um, I'm glad they still allowed Alice Garland to keep his vision for it. Um, again, the main disappointment for me is that just not a lot of people saw it. And yeah. again, that's not the studio's fault. I mean, they took another risk here in letting him make the movie he wanted to and, um, you know, made the Netflix deal and everything, but... 
but no, as far as like things, I, I there's really not much I would change. I mean, maybe tweaks here and there. Um, but I thought you know the dialogue was spot on, characterization. Um, it had just right amount of themes, and like I said, the ambi- the ambiguity was just right. It was not um, excessive for me. I didn't walk because there I did see some people like on Facebook and Twitter walked away from it and were like, "What did I just watch?" I really didn't have that reaction. No, me I neither. I can't. I mean, maybe it's just because I'm more invested in sci-fi than other. V- I mean, I can get it. If, like you, yeah. I mean, if you've never seen, um, you know, either a sci-fi horror movie or are just not as invested, or you don't, you don't, you don't have, have the vocabulary. Like you right, don't have the don't, vocabulary. It's you don't exactly. you don't know if you don't like. It's kind of like when when Quentin Tarantino used to talk about did he go to film school, and he would be like, right. no, but I went to films. You know, yep. you, you need to. You absolutely need to understand the language to be able to speak it. And, 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 and add another volume to the to the tome that is sure. cinema. And the same sure. is true of, of this kind of heady sci-fi. If you don't understand the concepts, then you don't really – like the – like and I'm, this isn't getting down on anybody. I, I do believe that there are movies that are sci-fi that exist that could be just taken as they are and, and can do a really good job. But this isn't that. This is a movie that sure. is expecting you to come in having probably seen Arrival, having probably seen Ex Machina, having probably seen 15 to 20 more movies that are – do moon shit like that you know 2001 sure, sure. movies that deal with these kind of concepts of of identity switching and you know uh who's really who and and and, and you know using sci-fi as an analog or as a, as an analogy for human nature and and all of those things much like the 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 zombie genre is used to you know critique uh society um you know sci-fi is very much right able to dive into so many different issues but i think the human and emotional issues that we have about what makes us human what decisions do we make what motivates those decisions and if there was something that was you know only partly human what would that mean what would they take from us those kind of concepts if you haven't like dedicated time to exploring them before in your mind and and you don't have that curiosity built up it may not be as effective and and to me I'm only 75% that person, I think. Like, I really like sci-fi, and I like heady sci-fi. 2049 was my favorite movie of last year. Um, but it it it's just that I, I don't always feel like I want something to be... I don't know. It's hard to explain. It's hard to explain. Um, but it, it's definitely something you have to invest your heart and soul into yeah. to really get something out of this movie. Because it isn't a fun experience to go see Annihilation. No, not like popcorn entertainment, but yeah. It's, it's, um, but, it certainly isn't. But another thing I think um, that something good about the writing is that, you know, as we were talking about with that scene, you know, only a few lines of dialogue, but it's brilliant. Yeah. And that's the thing about Alex Garland is he doesn't. And actually, I Machina was a lot more talky than um, this. But regardless, he does a really good job of I know the whole show don't tell sure, rule sure. is really cliche. Sure. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, it's a good example of something done well, because, um, I mean, as much as I love Ryan Johnson, I think he does do, you know, like when I took screenwriting, um, we called it laying the pipe, where especially in sci-fi fantasy movies, this is something where you lay on a lot of sci-fi elements and you're kind of, and you have to spend a lot of the movie explaining it. Um, Because even in Looper, which is a movie I love, um, you know, there are a lot of voiceovers in that. There's a lot of rules to explain because it's... There's a lot of rules to explain in world building. And he, and Ryan Johnson likes to do that through kind of just like, he takes his time to lay it out, and and that's fine. I mean, Minority Reporter does that too, and it's one of my favorite type of movies. Yeah. But I think Alex Garland does a really good job of okay, he brings you into this world, but he doesn't lay it all out for you and spell it out for you, and so you fully under. He lets the audience kind of go with them on the ride and 
you learn more as it goes along and as the story evolves. And by the end of it, especially in this one, you don't have everything spelled out for you. And um, granted, part of that is because this is based on the first book in a trilogy. Um, but part of it, too, is that, you know, he wants you to kind of um, interpret it in your own way. And um, and I, I think it's really hard to do to find that balance. But I think he does it really well. I think um, you're right. I think that I think yeah. that I, I think you're absolutely right. Um, in that he he he's he's sparse with it, um, yeah. And and his his what you like you said his laying the pipe or or, or, or talking about, um, you know the uh, world building. Um, yeah. He, he builds the world throughout throughout the piece and um and and brings new meaning to earlier parts. And also when you do that really well, as opposed to trying to lay out all the rules from the beginning, you also make a movie rewatchable. Now this movie is very painful. I don't know if it's a rewatcher for me, uh-huh. but it definitely leaves the potential for it to be a rewatchable movie when sure. you when reveals are made, you know, three fourths of the way in that directly impact the way that you could have viewed the earlier material. Um Arrival is certainly that kind of movie that once you kind of know what it is, you might want to go back and just be in awe of what it did and how it did it. Yeah, um, I did re- I rewatched it recently having I had seen it in theaters and then went a while without re- and rewatched it recently and it was really interesting to see knowing the twists and events and kind of watching it play out. It was cool. Yeah, awesome, awesome. Cool, man. Well, any other final thoughts um, about themes, about sort of your reaction to it, about any of the characters in particular, or um, anything else you just want to say in general? No, I mean, you know, I think I will revisit it, um, partly because I want to support it and, you know, go buy the Blu-ray when it comes out and sure, everything. Sure, sure, and watch um, the special features. Can you yes, imagine how fun those yes. will be? Like right, watching right. Vandermeer talk about his trilogy and how right. he wrote it and what he was thinking when he wrote it, and anyway. right. So, I mean, you know, I hope maybe through a Netflix deal or something they can make sequels um, if Alex Garland cool. is interested. Um, but it would be cool. But if not, I think it still really yeah. works well as a standalone movie. Um, and I'm, I'm, I'm happy with that because it could have very easily been like total cliffhanger. And you're like, okay, when's the next one come out? And then, oh, it did terribly, so they can't make another one. Right. Yeah. Like, um, like Divergent. Not that I'm so like yeah. held about that, but they'll never make the last movie. Like, man, yeah. maybe you shouldn't have split it into so many sequels, guys. Right, right, right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but anyway, no, that's that's true. So I'm definitely excited for what Alex Garland chooses to do next. I hope he still oh, gets yeah. the budget and the freedom to do that. Um, I'm, I'm very glad that they let him keep his vision. Um, I would have been really bummed if they had, not that I got to the end of it or anything, but if they had Fantastic Ford it. Um, it, and, and, and not let it even be, you know, its own, have its own integrity. If it's not going to yeah. be successful, at least it's a good oh, movie. Can, can you just imagine what the third act would have looked like oh. if they had made, if they'd slapped on a studio, you know, version and yeah. How about this? Let's, 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 let me, let me, let me guess. So she gets to the end. She yeah. realizes it's this alien consciousness, but then like outside of the alien consciousness, this orb comes out and yep. it's like this orb of healing. And she like is able to like possess it, and then when she gets back to Kane, she comes back. It turns out it wasn't a; it, it really was him, and actually it was the doppel- <laughs> doppelganger that was destroyed, and not Kane. And then yep. this orb of healing that she got from the lighthouse is able to heal Kane, and then like the two of them embrace and hug and kiss, and then they go home, and you see them have kids in the future. Like, yeah, and then maybe, and then too. maybe you'll see a little shimmer in the eye of one of the children out of the light, and like have a thought that maybe it's really an alien it's kid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That wouldn't actually be that bad. Um, now that I think about it, but I mean, not as good as as what it was. It was definitely yeah. 
uh, impactful. But I'd have to say, if I had to rate this on like a F to A plus scale, I think it's a B plus for me. I don't think it's quite okay. an A minus. Yeah. I honestly don't. Sure. Um, I didn't love love it. Um, I respect it a lot. I appreciate it a lot. And for hearing me talk about it and gush about certain aspects, you would think that the sum of the parts would be, uh, you know, at least A minus A territory. But for me, I think uh, it's a B plus when you compare okay. it to to other things in the genre that I like better. Ex Machina, for example. Um, yeah. I, I, how about you? Do you like which one? Do you like better of those two? That's the thing. I don't know. In some ways, I think I did enjoy this one more. I mean, I yeah. still love Machina, but um, I mean, both on a quality level or a level. Yeah. Um, but in terms of, I guess it's just because I like sci-fi horror a lot, so ah, um, it. it did appeal to me in that way. Um, and you know, I mean, Exile Machina is great, but I've also probably seen more um, AI movies like that. So that's true. You know, yeah. Well, go ahead. If there's one thing about this movie, it is utterly original. The originality and that, yeah, I mean, I really didn't know what it was because, I mean, just the monster thing, I had no idea that that was going to be a thing. Um, you know, I mean, it, like, the trailers, I'm glad that they didn't show much. We know, we know that there's this, like, weird dimension they go in and there's this mission, but um, I was kind of expecting just straight sci-fi. I didn't even know that there was this heavy horror element to it, and so that really intrigued me. Uh, and so... I think because of that, having not knowing much about it going in, um, yeah, I was really enthralled the whole time. Um, I mean, yeah, there's tweaks I would make, and um, and yeah, I mean, it was um, you know kind of slow at times and kind of and also really gruesome at times. Um, but I think especially the climax made it you know really a material for me. Yeah, that that climax on its own, that little mimic scene where the where the music yeah. is 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 dubstepping and and they're and they're dancing is. Woo, it's so good. Yeah, it's so it really, good. It really is. It's it's so well executed and uh, oh man, I was I was I was in pain watching it, but yeah. like also in awe. If yeah. not, I would say it's a combo of awe and pain watching that movie, which yeah. you know, for better or worse. <laughs> sure, um, sure. Anyway, well it's on that definitely a whirlwind. Yeah. It is a whirlwind. Oh, it's just definitely a whirlwind. Yeah. It, yeah. It, it definitely is. Cool. Um well, that was fun. Um, that was. That was great. I uh, I definitely am looking forward to what Alex Garland does next. He's uh He's a visionary, that dude. He is. No, I mean, he. I mean, he could really do any guy. He's just nice modern auteur. I'm glad he's directing now, and um, it's clear he's had, you know, a director's vision for a long time. So, um, yeah, I'm definitely down for whatever he does. Be interesting to see him do is like his Black Panther. His yeah, that'd be cool. You, you know, no, but not his Black Panther specifically, but his like Ryan Coogler was like an indie director and went like and did a mainstream. And movie. did a yeah, yeah. I'd Either, like to like, see. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah, like either a Marvel movie or a big blockbuster or something. Yeah, I'd like yeah. to see him have that kind of success and also bring his unique brand, much like James Gunn did to Marvel, excuse me. Sure, like, sure. I mean, granted, he's a little bit more um, accessible of a filmmaker, but I think Alex Garland could be also. He's just so skilled. Sure. Um, and, and to see what he would do in a, in a more popcorn-y movie, um, but still keep you know the integrity and, 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 the, and the intrigue, I think, would be interesting uh, – interesting thing so we'll have to see what he's doing next i don't remember i think i read somewhere what it was but um i don't have to look it up yeah, yeah. okay i cool. mean yeah, i'd like to see him do like maybe not like a superhero movie but akin to like what denis did you know going from um prisoners and arrival to blade runner and now to dune something like that either adapt like a big sci-fi franchise or um some really cool comic or something like that you know that would be cool you know what i've never seen and I, and I think I maybe I saw it, but I was really young. Uh -huh. um, was uh, the beach? 
Mm, okay. I've heard that movie's really good and really like mind twisty, but I haven't seen it. I wonder if it. I need to watch it. It's his novel, and then it was made into a. Oh, oh no! Yeah, oh yeah. no! Wait a minute! Wait a minute! Oh yeah. Um, novel is intended. Wait, wait. Utopia. Yeah, no, no. That's right. That's right. It is the one with Leonardo DiCaprio was the movie. Okay. Um, yeah. No, I've not seen it either. So interesting. Well, I have to I'll have to check that out at some point. Cool. Yeah. Uh, well, what do we need to talk about? We got um. Where first of all, let's talk about announcements. Um. So I, I don't think we've had a chance to celebrate uh the funding of uh um. Of Corpus. Corpus. Yeah. 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 So no, that's yeah. So Corpus Anthology has been funded. So. Um, I believe the publication schedule is scheduled for August, I want to say. Um, all our stories are due in, like, April. Um, so, Excited. yeah, I'm really, I mean, of course, I'm stoked to be a part of it. Um, it's a really cool project, and, um, yeah, my story is all is fully written, and um, Andrew is working on the art right now. So, it's, so, so yeah, cool. it's exciting. Oh, I know. I mean, it's that really so cool, cool to see. Watching that um, art so, come in is going to be a joy, man. Yeah, it is. He's already, he sent me some sketches like a week ago, so it's really cool. And you were freaking out. Um, okay, cool. Oh, yeah. And then um, we will be at Oak City Comic Con. This episode yep. will be out uh, a few days before um, we uh, have our we have a couple panels. Sure. Uh, we're interviewing a YA author, and you can check it out on the schedule, as well as doing our Podcasting 102 panel. Yeah, it's like a, we haven't really planned it out, but we're back with the Name Redacted guys. We always have fun with them. Oh, those guys are great. Um, yeah, I mean, we'll just be talking about, like, we did kind of a starting your own podcast back at the November show, so it'll be kind of an expansion on that, talking about, you know, building an audience and, um, you know, just taking your podcast to the next level, all that good stuff. Awesome. Um, cool. And uh, where can they find uh, you, Kevin? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at KWShafe, um, here on the Joy of Geek site, joyofgeek.net, where all of our content is, um, and smanewstoday.com. Um, which is a site I work for. Um, and yeah, and then Corpus Anthology later this year. Awesome. You can find me at Rich Lepore on Twitter uh, and all of the aforementioned Joy of Geek and Joy of Gaming places. And on that note, um, I am Rich Lepore. Gavin Shaver. And we'll see you soon. Take care.